podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. As you know, the best Star Trek podcast ever in the history of Star Trek podcasts ever in the history. Thank you. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I refuse to play this ridiculous game. Garrick. Ooh, he sounds very worked up. I wonder if that, in that, in that episode, in the future, if yes. he is, if he is just faking it, because Garrick never gets his, his whatever it's fun they are, hearing, ridges ruffled. It's fun hearing the uh, clips, like in the episode. Yeah. Like there was a there's a there's an Odo one today. Yeah. That was. Hmm. Was it, oh yes, this one. I've seen how well you treat him. <laughs> that was in. The oh yeah, his brother. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's where that's from. Oh yeah, it's fun. It's fun to find these. They're like Easter eggs for the audience and myself. Yeah. Not for me. Not for you, Andy. Yet. No, they're future. You, they're future you're, eggs. Your your line delivery blind. <laughs> that's, that's one of the few blinds I don't think I have. <laughs> um, look, as I was saying, it's time for to poll. That's right. Well, that's right, Matthew. I it forgot is. that we did to poll over here on Deep Space Nine. People yeah. are like, "Who's to poll?" Yeah, everybody, guys, you'll they were like, out. we want all of it. We want it for everything. People demanded, and then sometimes we ignore their demands. So this time we gave in to their demands. Oh, yeah, I mean, if the demand is another segment, it's pretty likely we're going to pick up on that. Usually. If it's important to you to know the thoughts of the crew, you got to take it to pull. If a marshmallow tip makes you wonder what if you gotta take a tip take a tip Okay, Andy, the Tipol, uh, I believe, let me see, it's in res- reference to the previous episode, which was an episode Plain that I will call. Oh, sorry, I don't know if you wanted me. Here we go. Yeah. What am I going to call this episode? Playing Let's God. Out. Oh, I'm going to call it yeah, Playing God. No, it's weird. <laughs> it's some weird OCD need to look it up, even though I said it. Um, uh, look, I just want to remind everybody that this is, uh, while hosting her first Trill Initiate, Dax discovered a tiny expanding proto-universe that threatened to destroy the whole Bajoran system. Remember that? Do you remember those, you know, two plots too many? Now you're ready for the to poll. Go. Well, Matt and I collectively gave it a 6.0. Uh, I gave it a 7. Matt gave it a 5. Uh, IMDb gave it a... Want to guess, Matt? Oh, I'm going to guess a 6.4. Whoa, right on the money. Good job. Nice. And uh, Patreon. What do you say for Patreon? Our crew in the mm. Patreon. I feel like sometimes they listen to the podcast and then vote, so we skew them down a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I'm going to go ahead and say 
They're at a six eight. Six eight. Wait, if we skewed them down, wouldn't it be? Yeah, yeah. They were they were like eights going in. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, uh, no, five point seven. So if we skewed them down, oh, okay. Then then it was very it was very Matt Wade. Uh, I didn't want vote. to be right twice in a row, so that's why mm-hmm. I guessed wrong. I, it was. I appreciate that you're acting like like the rest of us schmoes. <laughs> Like you got a chance. Thirty-three <laughs> percent voted for six, uh, and then uh, our uh, statistician Tristan also says regarding Andy's question last episode, how much is the wormhole being used in DS Nine? Rough answer is sixteen out of thirty-six DS Nine apps, or about forty-four percent of the DS Nine apps covered to date. Um, no big spoiler, but that will pick up once we get into season three. Uh, and then Chris Klokner in the Patreon had a follow-up question, which is, if an episode takes place wholly in the Gamma Quadrant, does that count as wormhole used? Yeah. It's implied wormhole used, I guess. I would say, yeah, I guess I guess that counts as it. That counts. But here's the interesting thing, mm-hmm. and it's a thing that we're, that is sort of, it's interesting. That Basically, my complaint, which I think, brought up this conversation probably in the first place and is is more or less my complaint sometimes about Voyager is you're going through a wormhole and like, this is a whole other different kind of space it's like alright everything seems kind of the same as this space we're in <laughs> this space seems extra spacey <laughs> um, so even if you're in it's like yeah this, this planet is in the gamma quadrant it's like alright Seems like it wouldn't be that different if you were open an episode in TNG and you were on this planet. Um, nonetheless, thank you. That was your T'Pol. Excellent. Now let's tell people what they th- what we think of a little preview. What we think about the episode you're going to watch t- today with us. Here we go. Andy, would you have them watch this episode? We enjoyed it. We enjoyed Garrick. We enjoyed Quark. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? I really liked it. It's very sensual. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, I was like, um, you know, sometimes I try to busy myself while I'm doing the podcast. Like, I'll just, I'll be at, I'll be at the desk and I'll be, I'll have the D-Space 9 on. And, uh. Just refreshing yourself. I was just putting, uh. Well, it's like a, what do I do? I do like a, like today I was boxing up baseball cards, like just putting, like, you know. And I found myself like really having a great time with this Sea Space Nine episode. I was like, oh, this is fun. It was real fun. I agree. So like a, it's like a 40s, you know, kind of like, kind of Casablanca-y kind of thing. I mean, that's what the whole thing seems to be uh, sort of... Uh, the, yeah, I know the, they bring that up all the time, but I never yeah. really understood it until... This is you know, this is one uh, of the most now. Casablanca episodes, as opposed... It, yes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But, like... It's a very high percentage of Casablanca vibes. Well, look. Let's get a high percentage of Admiral's Club vibes. All right. By going to the Admiral's Club. Okay. <laughs> Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admiral's Club. Matt. Yes. Matt, Matt, Matt. 
Mm-hmm. How how would they get into this Admirals Club if if they chose to? Well, if, it's, uh, deck eight, section L seven, uh-huh, obviously. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. there's another way, and that's to leave a five star review of this podcast anywhere. Yeah, you can <laughs> leave it anywhere. It's true, and then you'll be transported immediately by the computer into the admiral's lounge it's pretty crazy and as is uh as is evidence of this uh, the first one is from uh, neil tyler uh whose handle and reviews is english 1977 um who uh who left a review a five-star review um for dory's pod dory's new podcast too much money perfect perfect good job everybody who's done that i appreciate it and uh, and it reads, haven't listened, but I'm happy to give five stars to counter the one star reviews that were given before the first episode of this podcast aired. Star Trek TNC also gets five stars. <laughs> Nicely done. You're in. Congratulations. <laughs> Enjoy the homemade hand cut potato chips. Um, pass. Pass. Oh, you're I want crazy. real potato, regular potato chips. Well, those are also tasty, but I, I would. If you're gonna hand them. cut a potato, just yeah. turn it into delicious waffle fries. Yeah, but if you but that these are crispier. These are like oilier and crispier. You don't want crispier? How do you not want crisp? No, it's not burnt. They're perfectly prepared. They're burnt. You can program that into the replicator. <laughs> They're using old peanut oil. <laughs> um, the Archduke of Coffee. Um, sends this review joining the admirals club great podcast if you give them five stars they let you into the good buffet with the lobster macaroni and cheese it's true we also have that president circle has full lobsters i'm just saying uh i mean yeah there's there's definitely it's more it's more palatial uh (laughs) buffet in there but uh, um this is from knit every lobster roll in there has a little claw sticking out oh wow that is something yeah. It's good succulent claw. <laughs> yeah. Have you had actual uh, lobster rolls like that? What the claws. Of course, I have. Are the claws are just. I mean, it's just in. They're whole. They're in there, stuck into the, the prepared lobster roll. They're deshelled. Yeah. No, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good. It's nice. Uh, Where are you getting your lobster rolls from? But there's a place. Come to Boston. Can't walk five feet without hitting a lobster. There's a place actually that's a drive-through lobster place that somebody pointed me toward. Lobster roll <laughs> place in L.A. that uh, I'm curious to try. Although they weren't, they didn't know if it was good or not. Um, long, cousins scratches the itch. Yeah, I find cousins to be fine. Yeah, scratches the itch. Yes, yes, that's so. Yes, yeah. that's an accurate. I mean, it's not a. It's not like a ah, it's not like a blue level scratching the itch, you know. Right. Yeah. Nitwit. Ba- we're not we're not it's not bare necessities, not at I said all. Nitwit like nine times now trying to get this out. Nitwit 0855. Hey, before you finish that. <laughs> nitwit. <laughs> nitwit. Long-time listener, first-time reviewer. I was listening to this podcast for a good half hour, and I didn't realize I was listening to it in one and a quarter speed until the next podcast episode I'd queued up started playing The Office Ladies and noticed Angela and Jenna were talking faster than usual. I love that this show is so unedited that I can't tell even when it's sped up. At times, I even think the episode stopped playing because there's such a big gap between them talking. Lastly, I can't get this quote out of my head. 
Did Paul Thomas Anderson write this? Edit people. And that's from Lorelai Gilmore. Uh, truly, though, <laughs> never edit. I love the relaxed nature of the show. It took a big turn at the end. It did. It was a twist. I like it. What are you, M. Night Shyamalan of reviews? Yeah. He was being nice the whole time. <laughs> uh, that's it's it funny. for the that's Admiral's Club. It's a good time. Oh, uh, that's it for the Admiral's Club. We're out of the We're going to go Club. now. This is, that, okay. was one of, that was well, one of those pauses you were talking about, Nitwit. Yeah, no, it was, I was, yeah, yeah, we'll get out of here. And that was the Admiral's Club. Hey, it's the President's Circle. Lots of fun in here. You want to be part of the fun and support the show with uh, what is essentially my actual only job? Please do. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Get yourself some more podcasts every month. Have you ever been like, wow, even at 1.25 speed, this show still lasted two hours. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> Guess what? It's in there. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Support the show. You could join us at lieutenant's level and get yourself some enterprise action. Uh, but if you're at the president's circle level, you're getting it all, baby. And look out, April, that's when Discovery kicks back in. April, huh? The sigh that Andy just gave us, visually. <laughs> you're never going to believe it. April. <laughs> April for disco. Wait. Um, Weekly, baby. That's right. This is the last season, or they're just saying it's the last season, or it's is, a, are they not even saying that? It was supposed to have been the last season. Gotcha. So I assume it is the last season still. Um, do you ever have any sense of how any of these are doing in the ratings in terms of the audience? No. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know how many minutes they're being streamed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, you also get priority one access to the hail bag. And if Andy likes your hail a lot, he'll give it a fake medal. It's called the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, which is real in Star Trek, but fake on the show in that we have nothing to actually send you. Anyway, who's getting it this week? Uh, this one's coming from Eric Peebles, who says, uh, and this is in regards to the last episode, Arjun, was that his name? Um, Dax is is her uh, her subordinate or you know her her trainee is a really more accurate way of saying it. Uh, and Eric People says uh, this dude is the Barkley of Trill. They harp on these institutions having impossible standards, but these absolute goobers keep showing up. I don't know if that's fair to him. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty dead on. You don't think so? <laughs> I think he was sort of thrown off because he got the Barkley of Deep Space Nine. He got the Barkley of Deep Space Nine in 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 Jadzia. That's what I decided. Dax is yeah. What? How is she the Barkley? B- Bashir is the Barkley. She's all over the place. You're saying in terms of erraticness? Yeah, I'm just saying she's all over the place. What does all over the place mean? Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes she's in ops. Sometimes she's down at quarks. Sometimes she's in a shuttlecraft. Sometimes she's uh, 
you know. All right. All right. You're saying she's a utility player. She seems player. to not be at her station ever. You're saying she's a utility player. And I don't know if you were to ask someone, what's the first, the, what, what, how, how would you describe Barclay if they would go, he's a person who does a lot of different things on the ship. He's, <laughs> he's in a lot everywhere. of different sections. <laughs> 10 forward, his quarters, Deanna Troy's office, uh, uh, engineering. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him on the bridge. I mean, he was on the bridge. Yes, just to like, yeah, for like passing by. Didn't, Go he ahead. Have a, didn't he have a giant head on the bridge at some point? Or am I just thinking of the different one where he's... That was the nth degree, yeah. The, the nth end, degree, yeah. 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 Um, I guess he was talking to the giant head. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Uh, all right, we're in the priority one messages proper. All right, fine. I guess I'll play that sound, okay? Well, you don't have to be aggressive about it, I'm just saying. Mm. Captain, incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Can't wait till season four when that sound totally feels like it came from Deep Space Nine. Um, you know, when Worf's like, hey, <laughs> incoming message. Oh, it's one of the many things Worf will do on Deep Space Nine. He'll say yeah. things like, incoming message. <laughs> I mean, he must have said that at some point. No, I'm just, yeah, in these, but I'm saying like this is obvious. That's a TN. That's a leftover TNG sound. Oh, I see. Doesn't feel current because we're doing D Space Nine. But I mean, that's for true. Season four, it's going to feel current again. I think that somebody, if somebody sent us DS Nine incoming message, if they haven't, and you want to, feel free. Or if you have, send me, bump me on uh, on the uh, email. MST three KD says, uh, Andy quote. All holograms are worthless and should die. Also, Andy, quote, Moriarty is the best. <laughs> and then, uh, you know. Well, get... his, his whole hangup was that those, those, those holograms couldn't defeat data. The, well, <laughs> that is certainly true. And I don't know, unless, unless that, that, guy, that, that weird old guy on the planet was so, so, so designed them so amazingly that they kicked into some kind of super brains as soon as they needed it. But, um, but Nick Nack Tabasco really has the, uh, the appropriate response to all this, even though he's basically, uh, he's kind of being a, uh, a killjoy with this response. It also does reflect my, uh, my feelings, which is, uh, he says, but that's a sentient hologram. Yes. The Venn diagram of all holograms would include sentient holograms, but practically speaking, a sentient hologram is at least an energy being, uh, equivalent to Robo Picard's thought patterns, right? I mean, you lost me when you like brought up Robo Picard as some sort of guiding light. Well, I think I would. Yes. Yeah, I would think the Robo Picard probably is maybe even less of a real person than than Moriarty because Moriarty uh, at least had had sort of somehow the computer created the sentience intentionally. Was Robo Picard's just sort of a duplicate? Did we decide what that Moriarty was on Daystrom Station? Was what it mean? being generated by data? Yeah, yeah. I think it was just a security device. I think it was nothing. Yeah, yeah but like, was it all coming from data, or or did they at some point download spoilers. and copy that program? Well, this is this is beta. This is beta canon here that we're discussing. Oh, this is a good question. Is it? I think it was just. I didn't even get the sense that it had any connection to the actual Moriarty. Interesting. 
I kind of got it, the sense that it was... Ju- it wouldn't make any sense if it was connected to the actual Moriarty. Otherwise, it, it would be even more a prisoner, that they were just controlling him and making him a security device. That's think, the worst. I think, well, you know, I think we're learning a little bit about Starfleet in that in that time period. Oh, my God. That would be so evil. Um, anyway. Uh, let's see. Kevin Storm. I mean, says, like, their chief of security for a long time was a Romulan spy. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I think it all tracks. <laughs> Kevin Storer says, I can't believe Andy didn't get the oboe slash horns and Odo Morn joke in the president circle. He was specifically told not to forget about them. Uh, yes. I guess this is actually just probably more of a prime corrective. Uh, I, uh, I as always missed wordplay, <laughs> and uh, it's okay. I think you may have too, though, Matt. I don't remember exactly, but I it think was I instigated the wordplay. Didn't get the oboe and horns. No, it was in a hail. I don't know. Um, Denise from New York says, I "Haven't listened yet, but I'm assuming Andy will have some troll questions." I sure did, Denise. I sure did. <laughs> David Oni Rall says, I wanted to like this one, but I couldn't. You read that? That's such a funny thing to read. Why read that hail? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it was, it really struck me as just like. Well, I mean, know, I'm laughing, so I guess you're right. That was right on target. <laughs> uh, generally, I don't, you know, I don't read the ones that are like, I haven't heard yet, but blah, blah, blah. Uh, David Oni Rall says, I wanted to like this one, but I couldn't. It hit maybe four or five, four point five Andes for two main reasons. Uh, the a plot muddies the trill waters further and never really satisfies us with any explanations or substantial reveals. The guy whose name I just heard Andy say I've already forgotten experiences the shallowest perceptible growth curve on television is generally a feckless drip for ninety five percent of the episode. Um, and then also, it felt like the B plot about the mini mini universe had potential that probably got dropped when it became the B plot. How much cooler would it have been if we could have seen some signs of communication from the detected life forms or even some kind of window into their perspective on the whole uh, event? Anything to raise the stakes would have done it. As it was, any feeling of danger was smothered to death by boringness. Two plot failures and I have nothing left for my interest to hold on to. I'm ready for Worf to show up. But he's not coming until season four, right? <laughs> I know. It's going to be a little late. Um, further than I've ever made it, though. So thanks, guys. Dave... Thank you for joining us on our journey. And thank all of you who maybe didn't care for DS9 before. Um, Bob Blair says, also in regards to my, uh, I guess self-explanatory. Wait, was that a Minnesotan accent? Um, I guess there's a, there's a series of these, so I guess I'll try and, I'll try and uh, do them justice here. Jeremy Spector says... Andy's Minnesotan accent sounds more Irish than his Irish accent. And then Vanilla Thunder says, is is that how, how? That's Brian. Uh, Andy thinks we sound in Minnesota. Oof, duh. Which is, I think, a thing that Minnesotans say. Um, And I then David Dav- Dav- Oney. It, yeah. it is exactly how he thinks you sound. I mean, I feel like it's pretty on target so I mean, it's 90% there for sure thank you thank you You're Matt welcome. David Oniguel says for those finding fault with Andy's accents 
I have a suggestion. Let's turn those comments into instructional voice hails where we demonstrate how to do the accent properly. We had a couple of those a while back, and they're great. And Andy was just begging for more voice hails, so it's perfect. I don't know if I was begging. I think I was just saying, hey, we could do some more voice hails. You were kind of begging. All right. I was a little thirsty for the voice hails. <laughs> um, well, at the end of today, you won't feel that way. Uh, Miriam Barbarina says... With Arjun's story uh, about his father at the beginning, I thought Jed Zia was going to help him decide if being a host was what he wanted or just what his dad wanted. I would have loved a scene where Jake tells him about not going into Starfleet, even though that's what his father wants. I never got the impression that Arjun wanted to be a host for anything other than fulfilling his father's wish. You just, you just, I mean, by the book, you just made much better television. A hundred percent. Congratulations. I agree. Congratulations on making better television. That's that's exactly what should have happened. Good work, Lieutenant Barbarina. Great name, by the way. Um, Vinny Barbarina? Mm. How many times has that plagued you in your life? Maybe zero. Probably not many. <laughs> and a lot of, not a lot of sweat hog fans still rolling around. Yeah, probably, probably two. <laughs> and one of them was an old person in the DMV and one you know of what's funny is I was, was like an was uncle. the other day the other day I was like why the fuck has no one rebooted Welcome Back Cotter good question like just just to have the theme song alone Matt and then roll into a fucking you get a you get a you get a funny guy and he you still do the jokes at the end you still do the long winded jokes about his uncle Matt I, I think this is the era of rebooting. I think you should uh, work up your pitch. You're Cuban, after all. You can get a Cuban character in there. Yeah, we're not that funny. Well, you are. <laughs> also, I don't share his perspective we on all Cubans. Saw I know nothing about Cubans. We all saw like how that. one day at a time went. <laughs> it was successful, wasn't it? I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's also Matt. Is it on anymore? Didn't think so. The network is ABC that it was on so it's in the abc Ooh. canon hello i know people over there still <laughs> there you go um who are you i'm the ultimate trekker hails us dr acula was from tim burton's ed wood it's in a pitch meeting with the studio head other people thank you referenced it and oh that was you wanted the second thing because other people were saying scrubs it was a reference to yes and i was like what is the yeah, what am I thinking of? And that's what I'm thinking of. I am thinking of Ed Wood. Brett Schofield says, never change, boys. Never change. And I almost gave this the uh, gave this the Pike Medal of Valor. Mm-hmm. Um, and my hesitation is, because people say, never change, boys, to us frequently. Really? And uh, it's, it's, yeah, what were you going to say? It was. I'm just surprised by that because honestly, I'd want us to change so much. Well, this is the thing. I'm never. You see, you interpreted it as positive. I interpreted it as negative. But I think both of our reactions. Oh, are it's the same, positive. Which is, we need to change. I feel like it's like never change. I enjoy it, but it's I enjoy your your failures and idiocy. Is I think what the subtext <laughs> is sure. But at least you get a good laugh out of it every time. I guess that's true. Um, they do. What about what about us hurting inside? Well, that's we're not their concern right now. Our feelings, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Stephanie Simmons says, "When Matt said he could love something and it could annoy him, have you met my son? I literally cackled and scared my husband. 
That day I had my seven, six, and two-year-olds all homesick, and then my two-year-old headbutt me at the end of the day and broke my nose. <laughs> oh, God. I was listening to this while icing my face. I don't know if I've related to anything anyone has said in a podcast more in my life. <laughs> they are, like, it's remarkable how how insanely annoying they can be, and yet how insanely much you could love them. I'm sorry. Also, I hope your nose is... Did they reset it? What happened? Like, you know, he really, honest to God, there's there's so many times when he's woken me up by jumping onto my sternum from the cat, like just jumping. Jesus, under your like, sternum. Like, I'll be dead asleep, and then suddenly there's a 50-pound child on me. I don't know how much he weighs. What does he weigh, 30 pounds? I don't know. But still, it's terrifying. That's a lot. If it wakes you out of a dead sleep. Is he intentionally jumping on you? Yes. He thinks, he thinks it's fun. Well, that's how he's waking me up. Have you said to him, hey, don't yes. do <laughs> And he just doesn't process it. Yeah, I mean, he will or stop he's for like, some time, care. and then he'll pick it back up. Right. It's a struggle, you know? I hear you, Bill. I don't understand, but I hear you. Um, Orrin Paldorf says... I always thought this episode offered a great metaphor for parenting in that Jadzia needs to overcome her resentment of her predecessor's attitude toward initiation, read upbringing, in order to make use of certain elements of that attitude, which have led to positive results. Also, Jadzia is presented right from the top as mature enough not to parrot Curzon's carried over ideology by reflex. So, even though she's emotionally stunted enough that it's a real obstacle, at least she shows up with a fully realized personality of her own. I feel like this is the first episode that effectively portrays Dax as wise beyond Jed Zia's years. They show it rather than just saying it. And of course, this is supposed to be a pretty foundational trait of the character. Having said all that, they probably should have drawn some thematic lines between the Dax plot and the Cisco subplot, right? Parenting and so on. That's kind of what our other Hale said. And I think both these points are totally valid. Um... You know, it's also maybe a, a thought about Jedzia, which maybe is, becomes clearer, you all know, or you've mm-hmm. all said. Because the portrayal in story of Curzon it seems so different than a lot of Jedzia, as opposed to sort of the rascally, uh, you know, except for the, the rascally part of Jedzia. Um, maybe it is like Jedzia is a more balanced self-aware, thoughtful, maybe even empathetic person than maybe even many of the previous hosts. But if you load all of the life experience into that interface, then she becomes exponentially more empathetic and self-aware. Yeah. You got... Is, I can't that a, follow. I is that a you got stuff to sound say? Sound logic say. is what I will say oh, to that. All right, good, great. Okay, okay, all right. I don't have a fight on my hands. Glad for once. Chris Klokner says it's interesting that a lot of the clunky dialogue about Jadzia pre and post symbiote would have been smoothed out if they would have given Jadzia's family name, e.g., but that was Jadzia so and so not Jadzia Dex. Mm. But I don't remember that we ever learned her family name. 
I'm going to guess Goldstein <laughs> or Schwartzberg. Leffler. Leffler. Lipschitz. <laughs> Chitsy Lipschitz. <laughs> Do any uh, trills have names? Do we know? I don't know. Good question. Not, um, not that I can think of. And Kira Norris is like one of Norris is her first name. Or Norris is her yeah, first that's her. how Bajoran names are. Yes. Yeah. That's um, why she's Major Kira. Right. Although Kira is a much cooler, prettier name than Norris. <sighs> Whatever. Get out of my fucking face. I'm a big Norris head. You know. Yeah, you're always pushing your Norris. You got me your Norris. Your Norris gear. Your Norris hats. Nice. My favorite uh, member of the Patreon is Nerese's Pieces. That's right. <laughs> Rachel Patton says, LOL, Andy has asked, have we played Loser by Beck yet for the past four or five episodes? And it cracked it's out. really... <laughs> Thank you, somebody else. Thank you. No one ever seems to re- ever remember. And here, here, here's here's example. I love this show. So... What what people are saying is, when they say something like, I love this show, or never change, they're saying... Uh, you're an idiot. It probably more Andy. Yeah, you're an idiot, but I love it. Yeah. Can well, you guess, be a lovable idiot with me? I mean, it's fun. I guess. I guess I can. I guess I can swing with that. But once I run for senator, then it's really going to yes. work against me. Well, I guess I'll it didn't be your work. Page. It didn't work against George W. Bush. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the only example you can cite now. Only <laughs> dumb politician. Just there are. take a look. <laughs> I just wanted to I wanted to hit the hot button topic of saying that George W. Bush is quite a dummy. Oh boy. <laughs> I really zinged him. I really took But a he looks stance. like Einstein now, you know what I mean? This is crazy. Good people on both sides. The Portland Norm says <laughs> So Andy wasn't referencing the Orville when he joked about Jolly, Dolly Parton being a popular hologram in the Gamma Quadrant. I assumed he was referencing the Orville because significant Dolly Parton spoiler this is for the Orville. Uh, what what are the odds Andy happened to reference the exact same celebrity that the Orville as the Orville writers? Regardless, Matt and Andy need to review the Orville after they finish DS Nine in twenty fifty. So yeah, uh, so this is a spoiler for Orville, as I understand it. There was a big <laughs> Dolly Parton tie-in, and uh, and I also well, have a big I, Dolly Parton reference. I can speak to the fact that. I, I don't believe you've seen it. I have not. No, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So what does that tell everyone? First thought, best thought, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> well done, Orville. <laughs> Write your alts. Go home early. That's what we've learned. <laughs> Those are joke alts. Um, and we've learned, uh, you know, I, sure, I'm a f- I love Dolly Parton. Well, who, who, who doesn't? David S., the homework-stealing Vulcan, says, so Matt would like it if a character with a symbiote spoke symbiote spoke with a different voice when the symbiote speaks versus when the host speaks i have the perfect sci-fi show for you stargate sg1 lux characters do exactly that i mean i don't know if that makes it the perfect show for me but <laughs> <laughs> i like it Brian Hellman says, I just watched the episode. I'll listen to the pod on my commute tomorrow. This episode typifies everything I hated and caused me to not watch 
DS9 on its original run. A lot of really, mm. people are really down on this episode. Really bad acting and weird choices by Brooks. The way he smiles at Jake when he's actually angry is pure hawk. When I binged DS9 a few years ago, <laughs> it took me well into season three to stop seeing Hawk, and now he's back. Going back to the original concept of determining an Andy based on how far into the show you'd watch if you stumbled on the show, I'd have changed the channel faster than if I stumbled on the pilot of Pachinsky, which is, I assume, <laughs> reference to the show we just covered on Co-Pilots, the other podcast. Um, political injection. I was disappointed that neither of you guys signed on to the Letter of the Motion Picture Academy on its diversity requirements. So I felt bad about this. I don't know. What are you talking about? There was a letter to the Motion Picture Academy on its diversity requirements. I would have been happy to sign it. I don't sign that kind of stuff. Come on. Yeah, you're afraid of both sides. <laughs> that you're Cuban. Yeah, I know. It's good people on both sides. Right, come on. You got to back your diversity. Man, you know what? If we're good enough, we'll get there. Oh, my God. Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> I, do not, uh, I do not sign on. Do not co-sign. <laughs> um. Anyway, I agree with you, Brian. I feel I'm disappointed to also that we didn't sign it. Or at least I didn't sign it. Apparently Matt, Matt would have come out strongly against it or yep. just not taken a side. Uh, David S. also says, anyone else get made? we're not in the academy, so we can't. How would we have signed that letter? I assume. No, it was just a letter to them. From whom? I, I don't know. I assume people object. Well, exactly. We weren't at whatever party this letter is being passed around at. I think that's how really what you... How are we going to sign it? What you've hit on, Lieutenant Hellman, is that Matt and I are not plugged into Hollywood. That's what's no. very clear. There's no one who's even... Certainly not invites. If you invites. see something out there that's plugged into Hollywood, let us know, because we probably yeah, don't... We don't know. Yeah, we'd like to get plugged into Hollywood. Yeah, plug us in. Thanks. David S. says... Did anyone you know the Emmys get, were last night? I didn't. Uh, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually on another podcast today, and they asked me, did, "Oh, yeah, what did you think of the Emmys last night?" I'm like, <laughs> "Don't know." Pass. I wonder how they did ratings wise. Oh, seems probably like, gangbusters. You know, seems like there's a there's a big vibe. You know, the Cheers cast had appeared. I'm told. Oh, well, that's pretty good. Except now, Kirsty. Well, that's a bummer. First time without her. Yeah. Way to make it sad, man. <laughs> it's really, really found a way to turn that dark in the blink of an eye. <laughs> this is what our brains do to us all day long, guys. David S. said, did anyone else get major incel vibes from Arjun? Like the second Jedzia said an ill word against him, he went full incel and might as well have resorted to calling her a B word. Uh, dude, take the L and take the advice. Excelling through the initiate process isn't enough life experience and doing just that does make you interesting enough to add to the life of a symbiont that has incorporated several other people and went through the same process. That last sentence is as redundant as what it would be like if the symbionts only took hosts that lived boring lives focused on becoming hosts. Jedzia's story to him highlighted doing exactly that. Curzon turned her down, so she redoubled her efforts and lived an interesting life doing stuff beyond just trying to get the worm. And then Andy Adams, CMO, Shuttlecraft, USS Janelle, and had a counter thought. Uh, I don't necessarily get incel vibes. 
from the conversation. He's not involuntarily celibate or involuntarily unjoined in this case. It seems like he was more called out on his questionable reasons for getting a symbiote and just threw a class one hissy fit because he was embarrassed that she read him like a book. I've been a field training officer most of my 19-year career. I've had this conversation numerous times with students and newly hired employees. Uh, whether it's a cynical, whether it's a clinical, operational, or personality issue, some just do not not like to be called out. I always do it privately, like Jedzia did here, and in the gentlest manner I can. More than a few have had Arjun's response, especially when I have to question their ability to do the job. Usually, it's because I pointed out something they were afraid to admit to themselves. I just thought that was an interesting take from someone who had been a field training officer. Uh, when did you get your worm, Lieutenant Adams? <laughs> 19 years ago. Duh. Listen. Oh, yeah. It's true. It's in there. Context yeah. clues. Yeah. See, I could respond to that by being outraged, but I'm just going to swallow it, and it'll grow Brace out as some Brace kind of Brace health issue later. Brace the rage. Um, Tess says... Uh, sorry, but I too have a trill query. Uh, do you think the symbiont mourns the loss of their previous host? Because the new host is probably stoked to get a symbiont, but it comes with the previous host having to die. I guess the symbiont might like might like becoming a younger person if their host made it to their creaky elder years. But what about the soapy guy who Beverly liked? He died unexpectedly. Do you think that worm was sad about it? Well, if I'm understanding correctly, wouldn't the this is an interesting question. The worm... When the worm gets the new host, they become a new person, correct? They become a new personality, thus a yeah, new person. Yeah, they merged with, with Jedzia, let's say. So therefore, for when the worm goes on to the next host, it's sort of incorporating that person into the next host or not this is these are the kinds of questions i'm always asking because if you're if it's if it's sort of just like that whole person then goes in and joins with say jadzia then they wouldn't be sad because that whole person is alive inside jadzia dex but i feel like it's probably more my vibe is basically on what i'm seeing so far is that the worm sort of leaves that person behind and joins with the new person and only remembers things that it shared with that person. Some things, not all things, which is irritating. And Adam says, I don't think they mourn the loss because they still carry so much of the previous host inside themselves. That's another take. And then Tess says, sorry, I, I really wanted to read all this because it, it all applies. But the host is dead. That being no longer, that being no longer has the opportunity to enjoy life. Is there empathy, or is it a class system where the symbionts feel like they are valued more than the hosts? Wait, are the symbionts jerks? Geez, pondering the tilt trill really does lead straight down the rabbit hole. And then Eric, I mean, Eagles, if you think if you think too much about it, it'll hurt your brain for sure. And then Eric Peebles says, maybe it's all a lie. There is no joining. The worm is in complete control, but it pretends to be the host so it can farm new victims. 
when a host dies, it doesn't care. It's just a skin suit. See, I like this the best, that it's a puppet master situation. This is an Andy, Andy's theory level theory. And that they're, that worms are just puppet mastering each person. And that's why Jedzia can only remember some things and not all things. Because it's like, well, I'm just pretending to be the previous guy. Or maybe they absorb some of the some of the memories. Well, I'm gonna, I gotta go. That's not me. <laughs> yeah, 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 Cisco. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot of great. I mean, times. it's a little different than what what like what they say, or rather, what is described in the episode where Curzon is accused of that crime, the murder. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Remember, in that one, it's like it's a little more I am that being well I forgot what the law was wasn't it the law of that planet so they were trying to ascertain whether they could and not trill I wonder what the rules are on trill no but like Jed-Z is like yeah this is this is I'm fine it's Curzon it's me yeah oh Jedzia feels like she should take the hit right but is that just Jedzia? like because she's an well, you person. gotta think that. Well, I guess I don't know. Whatever. I feel like. Wait, I feel like Jedzia was doing that because she was trying to protect the lady that Dax had hooked up with. Yeah. Yeah, but that's different than accepting that you yeah, are Curzon Dax. Dax. Wanting to do that. Do you think that she? Do you think that uh, Jedzia really wants to protect that lady, or does Curzon? You it's see all, what I'm saying? Yeah, it's all very complicated. I think that it's very simple. Yeah. And it, if you just think about it hard enough, it'll come to you. Mm. <laughs> Everybody think now. Everybody, we're just going to take a 22-minute thinking break. Um, uh, also, Ultimate Trekker says, I think a way to settle the host for a symbiote memory is to point out that while they do share experiences, they still have their own brain. Jadzia shares many of the memories with the symbiote, but they are also two different beings. The symbiote doesn't seem to assimilate the memories of the host before they are joined. And then Archer's defense team exhibit one says, my thought process on the DAC symbiote is that there are certain things it knows so well that those skills and traits become instinct. Um, traits and knowledge become instinct. Just because a host gets a symbiote doesn't mean they immediately know everything that Dax knew, however. The instinctual knowledge probably does transfer. I don't I don't like this last one, Archer. Archer's defense team. Wow. That's just like, oh, it's just like, because I knew how to play the piano, I can play the piano. and But I don't remember all the memories. It's all just very fast and loose. It's like, it's like these people are just making it up as they go. <laughs> What's how dare you? Great and Terrible Lizak, our old friend, says um, maybe Jadzia Dax doesn't know why Curzon Dax chose Jadzia to be the next Dax host because Curzon Dax 100% wasn't sure why he did it. So it's less like he still hasn't told me why he got in a relationship with me and more like I'm still not sure why he chose to get into a relationship with that person. Yeah, that probably headcanon-wise makes the most sense, Lizak, but... Uh, as a fan of superpowers. So kind of know it like Um Tom Bondurant says, 
I want a memory beta story where the voles go back in time and evolve into species 8472. <laughs> 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 That'd be fantastic. Jeffrey's Muppified Hologram, Muppetified Hologram says, writing a prime corrective, too early I know, but they state here that there are 300 symbionts available at any given time, meaning that there are more than 300, however, on an average, on average, meaning that there are more than 300, however, on average, 300 hosts die at a time. I think there was, we had some confusion about that in the last episode. Or I did. That's so many. The, uh, to die at once, yeah. Yeah. But I guess for a whole planet, I do wonder how many there are. Um, Drew Taylor says, Trill questions, especially those that are specifically about Curzon and his choice of Jedzia as a successor, will be answered. Just keep watching, Andy. Well, that gives me some comfort. Roddy Chop says, I would have welcomed an episode where we get to look at the Trill 90% that are not hosts on their planet. Is the planet run by symbionts? Are symbionts a more religious, religious-ish thing? Or are they symbionts? Are they symbionts? The only reason Trill is warp-capable, Federation-worthy planet member, uh, planetary member. The mind reels with all of those loose threads this Star Trek canon has let unravel. What does everybody else do? That's it for the priority one messages. Hmm. All right. Let's go. Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. Regular hails. There's the regular hails jingle. Um, So uh, we have a bunch of voice hails, and Matt and I haven't listened to them, so these could be offensive they could be sending coded messages to the to the ruskies could be anything how <laughs> uh, do you want to play one of them this is where you'd want to do it for sure this is this is the best place to send coded messages to russian operatives <laughs> <laughs> so there'd be no, with no the, other way in the modern era they could get in touch with their their operators shortest first here we go ready yeah clocking in at 59.5 seconds is the shortest one we have here we go Hey guys, this is Boyd from North Carolina. I hope you guys had a wonderful new year. Uh, I am I catching up a little bit, just wrapping up Paradise. And I got a quick question. So the three episodes ending with Paradise, you have Armageddon Game, Whispers, and Paradise. These are three es- episodes in which Miles O'Brien is either missing or presumed dead. Hmm. And so I'm just wondering, like, is there like just like a standard operating procedure on Deep Space Nine that, that like the Undertaker's just ready to put on a funeral? For Miles O'Brien, I mean, like Cisco even says we're going to have a memorial service for him in Armageddon game. Um, but you know, so I, I don't. I'm just kind of wondering, like, how many different times are the writers going to keep going back to this well of Miles is dead, and at what point does Keiko just start moving on? I mean, every week he's dead or he's missing. Like, just just Keiko, get that back in the dating pool. Anyway, guys, I uh, hope you have a wonderful, happy New Year. Uh, live long and prosper. Uh, you know, I think they've gotten to the point where they're like, we're not going to tell Keiko, right? Just if if they think he's dead, then they're just yeah. Like, it's like uh, let's wait it out, put it off. I don't want to do. Talk, she, we'll talk. Where's Keiko? Is Keiko on Earth? She's going to make a real scene. Let's just not. Um, do you? Here's a question. Do you think if that happens again and again, that it strengthens your relationship? Like, 
oh my gosh, now I, you know, I'm constantly reminded of the value of having you in my life and what it'd be like if you were gone? Or do you think that it's kind of like, well, I kind of had to burn you out of my head the second that I thought you were dead, so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I imagine it's hard on Keiko and Molly. I would, I would guess. To have every time Miles <laughs> exits their quarters, <laughs> he could be doomed. All right. I don't Thank think you. I'm Molly. I think Molly's fine. This is my side theory. I don't think uh, is my, here's my Andy's theory about Molly. I don't think she loves Keiko or O'Brien. <laughs> interesting. Um, next voicemail. Here we go. Yes. Oh no. All right. Oh, I was going to mix them you up. Going to mix it up. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. A Z. Um, hails us. Uh, hey guys slash Andy as a longtime Mariah fan. Oh, let me send you a. You can. You can either. Play this or not. Um, He's chosen play this. Otherwise, he wouldn't send it to me. Uh, we want to skip ahead to the song. But it's a long time Mariah fan. I feel compelled to impart something about this hit song from your last episode, which is a cover, actually. Uh, it's so sad. The guys who wrote this song got screwed out of or fought over the royalties for it and both ended up dying by suicide analog broken heart emoji thank you for writing it out for me given how beautiful and sorrowful the song is it makes me makes it even sadder to find out this information talk about bumming us out i that was really my fault i should have uh, screened this one out uh but i but i appreciated it i wonder if mariah knew when she first sang it in the early 90s since she loved the song from when she was little and made it made her cry you can hear the sadness in her in the song itself in a way Live long in Vampula. This is what Keiko says every day. <laughs> this is she says this is my fave version of her singing it, so that that's the one we were listening to, and then she said this is the original, which may be more to Matt's liking. But I guess everybody's heard that one. What you should know. Huh. Crazy. Uh, am I crazy or did Air, did uh, Air Supply cover this? Hmm. Maybe not. Maybe they did. I feel like they did. Sounds like that seems right. Here we go. This is Air Supply's version. This is the version I know. I can't give yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I have to assume that this is the one that Mariah knew. Right? Yeah, that would make sense. Is that our thing in that? Oh, 
mother's a big Air Supply fan. Is she? That makes sense. Yeah. Somebody remind us on the very last episode of TNC. We'll play this as the final song. Hang on, I'm all out of love. I'm all out of love. What am I without you? I can't be too late to say that I was so wrong. Yeah, air supply. I want you to come. He's a left-handed guitar player. Blowing my mind right now. You can play another uh, four hours of it. Uh, sure. Oh, I thought you wanted to play four hours more of air, of air supply. I mean, I wouldn't fight it. This is air supply in 2022. I really want to know what happens when they have to hit the high notes now. Yeah. Uh, can I get a? Can I get a? Well, 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 I think all out of love would be the one. What so age do your high notes go podcast. away? Uh, I don't know. I've never had any, so <laughs> here they are in two thousand nine. No, two thousand eleven. Here we go. I mean, that's pretty sound pretty good. So you won't notice any huge changes to your voice until after your six until your sixties and seventies when the larynx starts to weaken. Not my larynx. I work it out every day by doing a podcast. Oh wait, this is somebody else says it has to do with your age, which is a common myth. The reason for losing those precious notes off the top of your range has got everything to do with vocal technique. Huh. What? I guess that explains why some I mean, they're pretty good. Air supply? Yeah, they sound great. This is from 2013 in Hong Kong. Obviously, they're very popular in Hong Kong. Do it, Andy. Sing it. I don't know any lyrics to this. Man. I always I always love to uh see what popular you know, I like to like hey, what is that how do they sound now? That's why I like to do that a lot. I think air supply would be a fantastic concert. <laughs> I mean, I I I don't disagree. They're all like showpiece kind of big vocal like swelling. Yeah. You know, it's all you know. Um Guys, they got a lot of hits. Are we are we the biggest air supply fans in podcasting? Matt, <laughs> should this be the concert we go to to make up for the I guess so. I mean I did see Colin Hay alone. The no, Colin Hay story, but still yeah. that third ticket I was like I left we left it empty for you, but Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I think it was sick. I don't remember. Um, 
Chris G. Actually, you want to play another voice hail? Or should no, I go the but I will. Chris G. Right. <laughs> Whatever you like. <laughs> Best Star Trek podcast. I mean, here's what here's what Colin A. sounds like in 2023. What Andy missed out on. Day after, uh, day after day, it reappears. I put that song in my Goldberg's episode. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, nice. Because oh, I was like, how about this song? I bet this won't cost as much. Yeah, <laughs> I forget what we had in something to talk to Colin Hay about. I put a, I put a couple of dollars in your pocket. <laughs> uh, let's see. We were going to do the voicemail, and I was going to go with the next shortest one, one minute, 12 seconds. Here we go. Hey, Matt and Andy, this is former Lieutenant John Horner from the Frozen Hellscape, Edmonton, Alberta. I had a question about some inside baseball, specifically regarding to the five lines of dialogue for pay. I decided to rewatch Cause and Effect because who doesn't want to watch a little bit of space Fraser Crane? Anyways, throughout the time we sat, when they're playing poker, Nurse Ogawa calls Beverly and says, Commander LaForge needs you in sick bay. She says the two lines in the scene, which is, Nurse Ogawa to Beverly Crusher and Commander Forge, the Forge needs you. The question I had, since that scene was shot in three separate instances during the episode, would that meet the criteria for five lines? I know she said more than five different lines in this episode, but if it was just limited to those two lines in the three scenes, would it count? I honestly can't remember if you brought this up already since it's been like 600 hours of podcast <laughs> and everything you said is just a blur in my head. Anyways, I think... I figured I think I would ask the best Star Trek podcast people since you yeah, are the expert. Thank you. Yes, we Thanks are. and keep up the good work. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> That's a great delivery at the end there. That's a good question. So I wait, think the wait, performance. Is the question in cause and effect it was repeated? So if it's the same yes. line? Yeah, it's the same line. That has but it's repeated. If, it, and I, if she didn't get the the extra cash for that, because they're gonna repeat it in the episode, that is messed right, up. But my thought is, isn't they? But they shot the scenes the same, at right? The same time. And I'm like, is there? I don't think is there a different performance in that line? At yeah, any but point? even if there's or not, is a, it just a re. But I mean, it's not the same footage, right? It's different every time. It's different every time because yes, because. Beverly is reacting differently, yeah. So, uh, technically, there's no, in my mind, there's no argument she absolutely should have gotten her full fee for the for if it was five lines for five lines. If if they didn't give it to her out of some fishiness of like, you just say the same line again and again, then that's <laughs> messed up. That's my yeah. take. Uh, Unless it's like, but, but it's an interesting question of like, yeah, like if it's like if I record you saying, "Hey, Andy, you're the best," and then I play that clip five times, you're just saying one line, right? Correct. Yeah. But I think in this case, That's why it's a good question. I think they're using different footage, so you can answer. I it also yourself. think that they're. It's because she's a, you know, recurring guest star. 
they would treat her. Treat they her probably well. were like, you know, let's give it to her. Yeah. Although I've met a lot of line producers in my day who would be like, no. Yeah, that's true. We don't I, have to. <laughs> I'm with Matthew on that. Chris G. Oh, so this has. So this is what I was gonna. Okay, this is Discovery season three. He, he says references, not real spoilers. You know, if you're real worried about it, you just skip ahead. Um, and uh, Chris G says, coincidentally, I watched this DS9 alongside Disco season three, episodes mm. three and four. I'm going back through season three and four and listening to those TNC pods. Thank you for your ongoing support, Chris. In that discovery, they visit Trill and talk about how the burn meant there's a shortage of host Trill, whereas it seems like every Trill we meet in DS9 wants uh, and is able to be a host, but just wasn't, quote, good enough. So either there's a reason, almost the entire population of Disco Trill, uh, <laughs> a disco guy and a snake, um, I guess a worm, not a, not a snake, it's a worm. Uh, were off-world and killed in active warp core explosions 900 years from now, or the Discovery writers didn't watch the basic Trill mythology episodes before making it a part of ding, season Ding, ding, three. ding, 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 ding. They also talk about how the symbiote itself has to accept the host in Discovery, which didn't seem to be the case in the DS9 episode where John Glover stole Dax from Jadzia. Right, because it's the previous host that has to accept. Right? I don't know. Whatever. I feel like they kind of talk about that in that episode. Am I wrong? Or is it just, if you're not, is that episode more about, like, if you're not the right candidate to get a, uh, a symbiote, then you're symbiote. You're not going to do well. You're going to start going insane like that guy did. Or is it more of that? I don't remember. I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not a trill expert here, you know? But I'm not either, so you have to be. I know, but you want to be. Is that what I want to do with my you life? You want a trill expert. That's what you want. I do want a trill expert. People don't do I that. Could, I can never be that for you. People don't seem to be. They, people carve out a lot of corners of, you know, your Ferengis and your, especially Klingons and, and Vulcans. Nobody, uh, nobody carves out the Trill corner as their area of expertise. Uh, do we have, we have a couple more voice sales? We do. Would you like another one? Sure. All right. This one, next shortest, comes in. And a whopping 209. Let's hear it. Hey, guys. Joe from South Dakota here. Um, in response to Andy talking about how uh, Robert Duncan McNeil on uh, Delta Flyers loves the Bashir character, him and um, uh, Terry Farrell was on it now, as it, and, and Garrett Long, they all, they all um, can see what that character is for what it is. They're looking at it through the lens of the night. That, of course, is a little bit more rose-colored because they all know him, especially Perry Farrell, having they haven't worked together for six years. Um, they have a favorable opinion of the character because they're looking at the character as it was intended at the time. First of all, Terry Farrell's doing that podcast now. 
she's a member of the Delta Flyers. That's brilliant. If they're like every time they do a Star Trek series, they're gonna pull one of the cast members in. That's fucking fantastic. Do you mean fantastic? Or and mean? they should keep doing it. Why? And like, like Terry Farrell should now be on the show, right? So when they get to TNG and they pull in somebody else, uh-huh. now Terry Farrell and Garrett and Robert Duncan McNeil are so it's all just, there. This is the whole Star Trek. And cast. then by the time they get to like Picard, it'll be an eighteen-person cast. <laughs> I tell you, they're really going to run out of con stories. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> they're all on the every. They episode are going to run out of convention stories. That's so true. <laughs> Um, oh, let me resume that. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You guys, all due respect, you see, it seems you're looking at the character through the 2023 lens, the 2024 lens. You're looking at him how we would look at him now. Yeah, he is a bit, uh, a bit uh, difficult um, in a creepy way. He, he is a bit, uh, a bit too. Per- Good characters on both sides, guys. That's all. <laughs> all right. I don't think that applies here. <laughs> I think it does. It's persuasive, and he does come off as cloying now. But just like you were saying, the the, the mid-average-looking men with nice haircuts thing in the 90s, that was considered handsome back then. This Bashir was considered charming and, and, and Hugh Grantish at that point, kind of nervous at all. He's trying to be a lady, and it does work off screen. Dax talks about that fairly passable ensign or, or the the ambassador from the week before or whatever. And he does do well with the uh, with the other guys on the station. Um, so I think we're looking, I think you guys, it's a difference of perspective when you're looking at machines. They're looking at him as the character was written half the time, as it was intended to be. You guys are more looking at him through the eyes of 30 years past. You how how the times have changed so that's at least my take having listened to both podcasts fairly extensive they although are a lot more rose-colored sorry for the ramble not a ramble but you're right to say sorry I don't know is the is the main thought about his behavior that, that Joe was saying or about his the level of attractiveness that was expected. Back then. <laughs> that was, I think, a sub thought. That was a. It was a sub thought. Oh, okay. That was a sub thought. Yeah, I okay. think the current the, the 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 main thrust of that was, hey, it was okay back then, right? And that's how they're that's how they're watching it, right? We have one more hail, I think, and then a prime corrective. It's like the Calvin Harris song. It was acceptable in the 80s, you know? Is that a Calvin Harris song? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know it. Um, here. Yeah, you do. You must know it. The uh, you know it, right? You're getting there. I don't know the song. 
fantastic song i really enjoyed yeah. that <laughs> i'm glad you liked it it's, that's what it's it's acceptable in the 80s and do we yeah. have one more long voicemail i've got love for you if you were born in the 80s i've got hugs for you if you were born in the 80s i'll do things for you if you were born in the 80s i've got hugs for you if you were born in the 80s it was acceptable in the 80s it was acceptable at the time <laughs> it's, like, it's great it's really uh, great now that's I'm very sorry, funny. you were going to say what? You want to be do we have one, one more voicemail or am I wrong? We do, yes. This one is two uh, two minutes and 19 seconds. Here <laughs> we go. Two, two hours. hours. <laughs> Guys, take after us. Here we go. Matt, Andy, good evening. It's about 11.38. This is Emery from Rochester, New York. I've uh, been catching up. Rochester. Just wanted to give you guys a call and check in. Had a couple of thoughts. Uh, number one, it was the episode in TNG where, they, uh, where Riker gets cloned, transmat cloned, transporter It's really late, and I've been working all day. Riker gets transporter cloned, mm-hmm. and he's got the band oh, in the opening. I just thought it was really funny if everyone in his band dressed up like him, and they called the band like Riker and the Thomases. <laughs> I said that... I had that thought, man, it's really late. <laughs> I hope you're high as fuck. I had that thought a couple days ago, and it was really funny, but it's not very funny right now. No, it's pretty good. Uh, the second thing, <laughs> Matt, you mentioned that you like being colder yes. rather than hot because you can't do anything if you're you're if you're if hot and you're naked. You, you can't do anything else. Yep, no more you're layers. Cold, you put something on. Yep. And, dog, I've been saying that for years. That's like, that's the truth right there, man. <laughs> uh, I love it. And the last thing. <laughs> Uh, in Octopussy, uh-huh. Roger Moore is not actually using a PPK for like a great majority of the movie. He's actually using a Walther P5, which is a slightly larger format handgun. I love it's, it. It's uh, chambered in, a, in the slightly larger. Was it a full 9mm? Millimeter millimeter yeah. Than the 9mm curse that the uh, PPK uses. Yep. I think it's probably because Walther just made this new gun. They were like, hey, let's maybe have. Oh, a thousand percent. That's why. Bond use a different gun. Haha, <laughs> wouldn't that be fun? Haha. <laughs> That's why, hang on. That's why. That's why Pierce Brosnan uses a Walther P99, which is the worst gun I've ever fired in my life. It's t- a terrible gun. How come? You, you, the trigger, the trigger, it's not consistent. You pull it, you pull the trigger on a, a P99, and it like might fire if you're like three quarters back, might fire if you're all the way back, might fire if you're halfway back. Mm. It was never, it was never consistent. Anyway, continuing. And uh, Sean Connery uses it in. What's the, what's the never say never again what's it called <laughs> never say never again yeah they both use the same newer Walther gun which is weird uh, probably not cooler? you can't get the Walther P- P5 anymore but you can still buy brand spanking new PPKs hell yeah you uh, can anyway this went on a lot longer than I wanted it to <laughs> uh, like I said I've been working I love this guy it's like 8 o'clock this morning anyway <laughs> love the show I'll call again please do let me know what you think of the P99. Okay. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It's a friend in Rochester, New York. I fired as many James Bond guns as I could get my hands on. I'm sure. 
Oh, you got a little time. little bonding bonus pod in here. Again, there's good people on both sides. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even say anything. You're talking about the PPK people? <laughs> no, I'm talking about just the fact that I'm, you know, big fan of guns. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, I don't own any. I don't own any. Either. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I mean, they're they, we've been trained from our youth to think that they're that they're the coolest things ever. Yeah, cool. And the only problem is the death that ensues. They are they cool are, if used responsibly. They're awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I feel the same. We couldn't if, we, if they weren't handed to every yokel, they'd be yes. awesome. Right. Um, if only we had to like get a permit and then. Uh, only use it under supervision until we took a bunch of tests and then were given a license and could have our own and then had to carry insurance. If only that was what we did. <laughs> it would be pretty cool. <laughs> anyway. Uh, then we have a prime corrective and then we're done. I did it. I went too far the other way. I'm sorry, everybody. I just couldn't help it. Well, you know, you also, you also colored, colored the the side of the argument where you were like, yeah, Walters. <laughs> I mean, hey! <laughs> so That's the fun part of LA Gun Club. You can go down there and go to the range and, you know, they got a fucking selection uh, of firearms for you to rent uh, that you, you know, all your, all your, you want to go, oh, I want to use the Beretta that uh, McLean used in Die Hard. No problem. They got it. What am I doing? I'm gonna do something. Yeah, prime corrective. Thank you. <laughs> really, we got. I got so sidetracked there. Time for retrospective. Cause truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective. Cause Matt Mandy got it wrong. Big Citrus says Matt probably realized this, uh, but the one thing we know about John Connor's dog is that his name is definitely not. Wolfie. That's so Your true. Foster parents are dead. It's Max. Max. It's Max. That's right. It's Max. You see it on the bloody collar. I'm so sorry, everybody. You didn't have to. Andy, I now know my mistake, and I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize to me. <laughs> I can answer questions about Terminator 1. I can't answer questions about Terminator 2. All right. What's the name of the club they go to? Uh, Technor. Yeah. Great job. <laughs> I don't know why that's the only question I had. <laughs> oh, I'm lucky. <laughs> you know, I had to. I told you this, right? I had to stop playing the Terminator game because it was too scary to me. Cool. You mean as a child or as an adult? As a grown adult, it's sitting in my PlayStation right now. Here's the thing that's going to push this conversation. Is it when was it made? Uh, it was made by the RoboCop people that made the RoboCop game, which I love. Yeah, I was told that that was a great game too. Um, it's 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 a it's called Terminator Resistance, and the you get the enhanced edition for the PS5, and it came out in April of 2021. I'm gonna check that out. Um, and since we're already, I, I, I'm, I'm so, what I'm telling you is don't check it out. It's terrifying. I think that sounds amazing. But anyway, you uh, one of the places you are you can come across is the burned out Technor Club. Cool. In post apocalyptic. This sounds Angeles. amazing. I'm gonna check it out. 
Um, here's the thing I was going to say in our in our video game corner to because uh, you know this is, I'm already going to say hey skip ahead if you want, and the n- number will be there. Um, had a whole digression. I can't remember if it was behind the paywall or if it was it was in the main pod. But at various points, I think I've talked about my nausea with certain games and how to yes. solve that. And many people were very nice in sending in various suggestions and whatever. And uh, Matt has uh, perpetually touted his love of the uh, Marvel Spider-Man games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never even got past the first one because I started to get sick. And so I've been trying to think, all right, I got it right. Gotta, I got to muscle through. I got to do this. And uh, uh, I took a, I took a uh, nausea pill the other night and I had no problem at all. I was like, ah, oh, that was really fun. And I was like, I don't think this is a game that would make me sick so i don't know why i was sick before and so i experimented which is kind of a tough roll of the dice if i'm wrong <laughs> so i can't where, where are we going with this this is fascinating no problem so i don't know so if it was do you think maybe you were like sick i was just sick that day played the game i feel like it was a couple of times it. in a row or maybe it was just like it was one of those things where it was like I don't remember if at the beginning of Marvel Spider-Man if there's a lot of in- interior fighting because it's like whenever you go into the Batman like the Ar- Arkham City kind of tunnels and everything it's always it's always a little dicey for me so I don't know if it was a lot of that but I had no problem the web swinging was no problem um, and I'm really enjoying did you find, it. Did you find your apartment? Not yet. Oh, my apartment, my actual apartment. I looked. Yeah. It's, not, it's no way there, yeah. nor does it even. Well, look. the the have you did you check it out on Spider Man Two? The map's bigger. Uh, I look forward to it. And there's Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, maybe, maybe find my childhood apartment and my adult yeah. apartment. There you go. I uh, yeah, it was the first thing when I was like, oh, "This is my neighborhood," and I went and looked, and I was like, "God yeah. damn it, this is just yeah, it's a like squeezed it's like, down it's version." Like, half the but what I will say what's great about that game is that if you hear a crime report and it's like in Soho or Midtown or whatever you know where to go 100% because you know where you are it's, it's like so oh great I'm going, I'm going up on the Upper East Side now this is fantastic here's the only thing I'll say as a huge fan of the old Activision Spider-Man games which mm-hmm. I guess this is too uh, but the original ones um, my memory is in the original ones for web swinging you did one trigger for the left hand and one trigger for the right hand in the old games. Oh, to go left to right? I think That's so. Interesting. And in this one, it's all the one trigger, and it's kind of yeah. just like, I liked feeling like it was like my one hand doing the flip or the other hand doing the, not flip, Yeah, but, but now you can do all kinds of cool tricks. So yeah. that's fun. Yeah. Like air <laughs> tricks. Yeah. Hey, here's a question. Yes. Eh, it doesn't really matter. I'll probably figure it out as we go, but what's an easy way to take down the like the bigger thugs the brute guys uh oftentimes there is i mean you unlock well the best way for me i always would unlock the gadgets so that i could web them up yeah 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 and then once i could web them up i'll just like kick them to the ground or throw them to on a wall or whatever and if you have your your costume and then you yes. load it up with gadgets. Does that stay with that costume? Yeah, you could you can bring the abilities over to other costumes if you want to. You can bring them over though. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Very All good. All right. Video game corner. 
Thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, if you'd like now, to send it, like Andy will tell you how to communicate with us. <laughs> send it to sttncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode and subject heading somewhere, unless it is refers to none. You can tell me that. You can uh, reach out to Matt at Matt Myra. Uh, my Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. My, um, my Twitter is at Secunda. Um, and our Instagram and Twitter account and TikTok account is at Star Trek TNC. For voice sale, send it into 816 Trek TNC. That's it. Cool. Let's. Uh talk about the episode finally right everybody might as well late night episodes we're just never gonna end we that was many doors so the many guy thought we paused made us think of all your phases so plug tnc in your little board node let's talk about this week's episode this week's episode is profit and loss which aired on the 20th of march 1994 andy what was happening well, loser by Beck was no. It's over at the there. Top of the alternative charts. No, it's done. Uh, the number one song in the UK uh, I'm going to go to is "Dupe" by Dupe, D O O P. And I would love to see this if you want to bring it up. By Dupe. This is what is this? Maybe we've seen this before during the TNG this run. Is, is this the Scatman sample? From the Sydney Berlin Ragtime Band. Oh, yeah. Maybe we've seen this before. This is the Scatman sample. <laughs> Everybody stutters one way or the other. So no, check out maybe, my maybe it's not. Maybe it's just akin to that. Is the other thing? Is there occasional, maybe frequent, number one hits in the UK that are disturbing? <laughs> you think this is disturbing? Yes. I think this is like if The Shining was a person and made a video. Dick Tracy reference there. Oh, hang on. You didn't even see Calvin Harris. This reminds me of Calvin Harris' video. Doesn't it feel like the same video? Like It does. Editing style and color? It's much less irritating though yeah it's true um i also now i I know that song is finally i'm like oh yes i do know the number one song in australia weeks at number one well i don't know i just don't understand england somebody explain it to me uh number one strong in Australia is It's All Right by E seventeen. I also don't know what that is. <laughs> Put that on. Um number one song in the US, the sign by Ace of Base. That one I know. Uh number one alternative song Mm-mm-mm-mm, by Crash Test Dummies. Mm-hmm. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> this can't be the whole thing. <laughs> It's a really positive message. The fuck? Here, let's, let's, let's do it now. Here we go. This is in 2023. More of them are shirtless in 2023 than uh, were uh, in uh, originally. It's so weird. Um, He's got a Wu-Tang jacket on. Um, number one movie, Naked Gun 33 and a half, The Final Insult. 33 and a third. 33 and a third. 33 and a third. I'm so sorry. Two and a half, and then 33 and a third. That Come makes on, much more sense. I apologize. The Academy Awards uh, was the number one TV show. Number, let's see. Hang on. Mm. Let me see. 1994. Best picture in 1994. Oh, Is it? Impressive. Is it Forrest Gump? That's what I would guess. Let's see. Uh, I'm so slow. Dances with Wolves was the previous year. Right? Uh, I don't know. Oh, Tom Hanks won for Philadelphia, so I'm guessing it's Oh, so it couldn't have been Forrest Gump. (laughs) First, it was back-to-back wins, everybody. Then Mm. Russell Crowe repeated the feat. With oh, Gladiator and Beautiful Mind. Let's see. Winner. I don't. God damn it. Uh, it's so irritatingly laid out. Hang on. It was. Uh, it was. Don't even. Don't even look it up. Don't tell me. Uh, Shawshank should have won it. Uh, was Goodfellas nominated that year also? That should have won it. It was something that was like, why did this win it? Everybody was like, what is going on? Hang on. Do you want a hint? <laughs> 1994. Uh, I feel like any hint, I'll get it, but give me the hint. I mean, I can just tell you a hint that you won't necessarily point in the right... Okay. Other, other than you're wrong about it being, why did this get it? Okay, so then it... But it was in Philadelphia. 94 was in Schindler's List, was it? Yes, it was. Oh, all right. I thought it was 96 for some reason, but okay. All right. Am I wrong? Why'd that say? get it? Come on. Yeah, it was 94. Why'd that win? <laughs> Man, no. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there aren't oh, good people God. on both sides of that issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. That's that week. Uh, <laughs> Remember they were going to get Liam Neeson at the uh, Yankee game? <laughs> Remember? Were they really? In Seinfeld. That was George's big thing. They were going to have a Schindler's List day. That's amazing. <laughs> at Yankee Stadium. Am I, I crazy? don't remember that. Or was that a plot? That's fantastic. Uh, hang on. <laughs> I feel like I'm crazy now. Uh, Deaths that week. Actor Dak Rambo from Dallas. Is that? Wait. Can that be? Is this clipped? Events. Schindler's List wins at Best Picture at the Academy Awards. It's right down there. 
Um, Time Magazine cover, Hard Times for Hillary Clinton. Hmm. What was going on in 94? And they continued. Did you find your thing, Matt? Uh, hang on. Am I crazy? Liam Neeson? Day. This is when you, you guys wish you were listening to it in one one quarter one and one quarter speed, huh? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know what I'm thinking of. There's no clips of it available on. What are the theme days that this is a Reddit post? What are the theme days that George proposed for Yankee Stadium? Snow tire day, Joe Pepitone day. And John Voight Day. <laughs> John Voight Day. That's what funny. am I thinking of? I don't know. It's eh. certainly funny. Oh, you know, there was an episode of Seinfeld where Jerry was making out with his girlfriend at Schindler's List. And then everybody shamed him. Right. Because his right. parent his parents were visiting and they and they could they couldn't get access to his house. <laughs> So Hang on, let me, it had a lot of just, sexual energy all built up. That's that's the raincoats. That's the episode. The one I'm describing. Yeah, oh. I don't remember her. <laughs> Newman sees the making out. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Anyway, okay. I'm sorry, everybody. I went down a, another fucking path. Now, <laughs> the time code that Andy has written down tricked you. You had to listen to nonsense. <laughs> Uh, elsewhere in Trek. Mm, familiar. Yeah, it's a good segment. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I didn't mean for it to be so, I don't know, haphazard or stupid. Where is this? God dang it. Um, well, <sighs> please enjoy. Things were pretty busy over, over on the Enterprise. Yeah, what was happening? <laughs> Nurse Ogawa learned she was pregnant. Uh, Worf nice. bit Troy. Spot had kittens. And Dr. Crusher. Elsewhere in track. Let's see what's out there. Genesis, huh? That was a bad episode. Engage. And Dr. Crusher invented, cured, and named Barclay's protomorphous syndrome. syndrome. That's right. On March 21st, 1994, TNG aired Genesis. That was a wild time. You know? It was. But not as wild as the time we're about to experience. That's right. It's Star Trek time, bitches. Don't, <laughs> Profit and loss. Don't call them that. Uh, <laughs> what's that? No, don't, don't, don't call them that. I didn't they're, hear that. They're our good friends. Oh yes, <laughs> sorry. Because if you if you talk quietly into that in your microphone, I don't hear it. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no problem. Uh, Quark is reunited with his lost Cardassian love, but he learns that she is a member of the Cardassian underground. Uh, this episode was written by Flip Cobbler and Cindy Marcus, and was directed by Robert Weimer. Flip Cobbler, yeah. what a fantastic name. Sounds like if a he was name that... Trip Cobbler, he'd be a guy who loved his own last name. Sounds like the name that um, Rick Berman made up earlier in the run of Star Trek to get story credit. <laughs> Just call me uh, uh, Flip Cobbler. 
frequency. This is Commander Sisko of Deep Space Nine. Do you need assistance? They're not answering. Their life support systems are operating on reserve power. Better lock on a tractor beam and pull them into Cargo Bay 7. Tell Mr. O'Brien to meet me there. Not a single line out of Kira. She has a line later. I know, but I'm just thinking it's weird in that she just has to. She did she's do just, some acting, though. She was she's really just acting. taking care of business. Yeah, that's some great specific acting if you want to look she's at like a Kira on that scene. That's what she was doing. <laughs> I'm Professor Natima Lang. These are two of my students, McCullen and Hogue. What happened to your ship? We were caught in a meteor storm. Hogue looks like a real I'm a dork. decent teacher, but I'm afraid I'm not much of a shuttle pilot. Do you think you'll be able to repair our ship? Well, I'll have to take a look. Excuse me. We'd like to be on our way as soon as possible. We know having Cardassians on a Bajoran station may cause trouble. That's the last thing we want. If anyone can fix your ship, it is Mr. O'Brien. In the meantime... Maybe Jordy. You're welcome to stay. But I couldn't get him. If you stick to the promenade, I'm sure there won't be any trouble. Wait, wait, wait a second. Are you telling me that you agreed with General Yeri's decision to execute his brother? Of course I agree. Yeri's brother was a traitor to the Trelonian government. The evidence is all circumstantial. Oh, it all comes down to a question of loyalty, my dear doctor. Yeri had to choose between protecting his brother and protecting the state. He chose the state, as would I every time. Uh, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. But then again, before you can be loyal to another, you must be loyal to yourself. And who can we thank for those misguided words of wisdom? Sarek of Vulcan? Ooh, taking a shot at Sarek. Of Earth. With sentiments like those. Well, you know, he deserved it. Shade on Sarek. Do the uh, ever-developing friendship of Garrick and Bashir as it continues. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I really love... That it's a it's a political sort of discussion, and they're just sort of debating a past thing, and it's really yeah. that's really nice. I really enjoy that. Uh, Natima Lang, by the way, is played by Not Mary familiar. Crosby, who's oh, Bing's sure. daughter apparently. So, so she's related to Denise is Crosby, she Denise's mother. I see. This was, I was confused because Denise. I think or maybe her half sister. No, half. Wait, grandfather. I thought that Denise's yeah, her, her grandfather aunt. was Bing Crosby. Bing, right, that's what I thought too. But then it's. I thought it said that Mary, that Bing was, that Mary was Bing's daughter. So I don't know if that was another daughter late in life or. Blah 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 blah. That's what he probably Who's did. Who's gonna keep having children? <laughs> boop, 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 boop. If the boys are gonna swim, might as well have the babies. I apparently got a lot of problematic stuff in my background. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to live on a golf course. (laughs) Um, So she's in there. She was in Dallas. Uh, And uh, I don't, I can't say that it's someone that I knew (laughs) from something big, but uh, I did note that, uh, that Rick Helen is played by Susan from Seinfeld, talking about Seinfeld, which is really funny when you yeah. hear her voice. Because I'm just like, she's kind of, she's kind of better, better as a Cardassian than she was as Susan. Oh We've gone over this earlier in the run of TNC. I still yeah. like, 
I'll never get over hearing Jason Alexander just throw her under the bus. So <laughs> horrifying. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. It's like saying, yeah, I didn't like performing with her, so I had her fired. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I don't know how well you realize uh, you think you'd come off in this story. Um, I heard an- nonetheless, she fucking crushes it in this episode. She's better as yeah, a sure. Uh With her three lines, it's great. I don't. She does it good. She's got some steel. Well, rumor has it that you've managed to get your hands on a small this is a handheld device. shot. And you believe everything you hear? When it's about you, yes. According to Bajoran law, such a device would be highly illegal. If I had one, which I don't. <laughs> Probably. I didn't expect you to admit it. I'm simply serving Look notice. You try to sell it, and I'll see to it that you spend the next 50 years digging trenches in a penal colony. I told you. Penal. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. Excuse me. Out of my way. Tatima. Whore. I knew you'd come. I told you never to speak to me again. Are you all right? All right? It's the happiest day of my life. Why did he give me this for free? <laughs> Am I supposed to pay for it? I didn't order this. Um, um, what is there to say right now so far? Well, I like the, the beginning. Weird, the cold open ends funny. It ends funny. <laughs> I like it. It intrigues me. Um, you still don't know what's going on with these Cardassians. Uh, I like the Garrick, the Garrick reintroduction. It's all very promising. It is. What's your favorite scene in this episode? You know, I'm as as it should come as no surprise to anyone. I'm very partial to the uh, to the Quark and Atima scenes. Uh, <laughs> at first, part, the, my main thing is. That actress Mary Crosby really dug deep and and found a way to really play the romance and the love for Quark so believably when you're looking at this ridiculous Quark makeup. It's really it's really impressive that you really are just like you really buy that it's just like, yeah, I think she's really in love with this guy. <laughs> And it'd be a tough sell. And she did it. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I would say that those scenes are pretty good. Um, the Garrick stuff is kind of tough, too. Like, that's great. The, all the Garrick oh, stuff that's is my great. Favorite. So. My favorite is the Garrick Quark scene when he goes in to buy a dress. Just the subtext. Yes, it's all yeah. great. That's where it really felt like a like Casablanca. That's when it really felt all, like, you know, cloak and daggery. <laughs> Yeah. It was really a lot of fun. I find that Star Trek sometimes doesn't pull it off that well. No, they're uh, very heavy handed. I mean their their yeah. brand is heavy handed, so Yeah. It's anymore. Why not? Because they remind me of you. Is this Ferengi bothering you? This Ferengi happens to be in a team as old Heidi as Jared's friend. Who are you? That's who it is. These are my students. Susan. Students. You don't say. I'd love to sit in on one of your classes. What do you teach? Political ethics. Her teachings will change the future of Cardassia. That's enough for Cullen. 
Not at all. I want to hear more. I always knew Natima was destined for greatness. Cork. Just one drink. It'll be like old times. It'll never be like old times. You're right. It'll be better. <laughs> I'll be right back with refreshments. I like the when you finally find out what he did, that it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's something Quark would have done and it wouldn't have even occurred to him he was doing anything wrong. <laughs> sort of taking her taking her credentials to uh, make a little money on the side. And, uh, oh, sure, yeah. yeah. There is a really funny beat in this where he slams on the table <laughs> looking to make sure it's not Odo. I thought it was very funny. Oh, I didn't notice that. Are you kidding? Yeah. He says it in the line. That, oh, does he? Never mind. I remember. Yeah. It's we'll the... get to it. Well, we can get to it when we get to it. I don't care. I'll get to it right now. I'm bringing it up. <laughs> That's why we decided to do this, remember? What's that? Remember we made a decision a long time ago that we could that we didn't want to have to go in a linear fashion? I don't think that we've really followed that match. <laughs> I know we haven't particularly, but right now I'm going to follow it because it's late. I'm willing to let bygones crutches seven years ago. Oh, here it is. Thank you for your quite flattering on you. Two mugs of Kadar on the house. We didn't order these. They're the drinks I promised you the first time you came in here. Sorry they took so long, but things have been a little hectic. Do you mind? I'm afraid that we do. Professor Lang told us you couldn't be trusted. Ooh, you Kardashians do hold crutches. Seven years ago, Natim and I had some little silly lovers quarrel and, well, all I can say is I'm willing to let bygones be bygones. But Professor Lang isn't. I have to say I find your loyalty to her extremely touching. There is nothing that we wouldn't do for her, and if she says that we're not to talk to you, we don't talk to you. I understand. She's your teacher. You're her students. You have to listen to her. So, if you don't want to talk to the only person who can get you off the station in one piece, that's fine with me. Wait. You say you can help us get away? It's possible. How? <laughs> one second. It's a long bit. I don't know how I missed this. Station security chief is shapeshifter. You can never be too careful. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I really said, really glazed over that. <laughs> First, I thought he's like, oh, he's a Ferengi. He's got big ears. He's hearing things. And then I was like, oh no, he's looking for Odo. <laughs> what about, what about that was Odo? And then he tasted him. That'd be so gross. Well, then Odo would burst out of his chest. Oh, that's is that be the end of Quark? Yeah, it's one of his superpowers. Yeah. yeah, he can he can be a chest burster. It's like if Ant Man had crawled up Thanos's butt. Yeah, and then and just and gotten then big, embiggened. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm very successful, but as the 223rd rule of acquisition Please. says, I haven't heard a rule of acquisition in seven years, and I don't want to hear one now. <laughs> I like so, that. That's an old couple's argument. How long are you going to be on the station? Thank you for another enjoyable lunch, Doctor. 
She said later, she's like, he saw it. He saw me. I'm sure of it. It's like, you don't have to be sure of it. He looks right at you. <laughs> he walks know, by Gary. your table and looks right at you. I guess right, that's the question, know. whether he recognized you. Right. The attack? They weren't in any meteor swarm. They were hit by Cardassian disruptors. That doesn't make any sense. Why would Cardassians fire on other Cardassians? This is like, this is the stupidest they've ever written, Kira. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I'm like, why would they give her that line? Just give it to somebody else. And it's, she should be like, are you kidding? Cardassians are fire on, well, you know, whatever. They're probably just trying to shorthand, like, this lady doesn't like Cardassians. She doesn't think they're all in cahoots. They, I would have flipped Commander, it. I would have I given it. I would have given it to Dax, and I would have given the maybe you should ask her uh-huh, to line Kira. to Kira. It would have been much better. It would have worked either way. To be an imposition, but I need my ship. That's not possible. Mr. O'Brien is still working on it. Your ship sustained more damage than we originally thought. In fact, you suspect that our ship was damaged by Cardassian weapons. You're right, of course. Professor. It's all right, Hogue. I should have told them the truth in the first place. Well, then why didn't you? Because Cardassians don't involve outsiders in their internal politics. Especially Bajorans. Being shot at by your own people goes a little beyond politics. We take our politics very seriously. Cisco is very chill in this episode. He's very very quiet. Cisco is very quiet, Cisco, in this episode. He's he's always quiet, Cisco. Not always. Sometimes he. I mean, when his feet are hot and he's at the beach, he's not very quiet. Yeah, then he goes, "Ow!" <laughs> <laughs> Which makes you fugitives. The military's afraid to let us speak our minds. They've already tried to kill us once. They're sure to try again. Good job, Which is Susan. why I have to get them off this <laughs> as soon as possible. I'll dispatch additional work crews to help repair your ship. We saw another Cardassian aboard the station, in the bar. Garrick, he saw you? I'm certain of it. Well then. Yeah, of course you're certain of it. We may have a problem. Mr. Garrick is a bit of a mystery to us. I'll assign you some guest quarters. Uh, The the whole idea that, like, Garrick kills a gull whose whose warship is just off (laughs) Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And is consequence free at the end of it is very funny to me <laughs> well i assume he covered his tracks i don't think it's public i interpret it to be not public knowledge that he killed that guy i think that that him and I mean, quark agree to Quark knows yeah yeah but i assume that they they agree to kind but of but you don't the, think they're gonna be like where's our goal <laughs> yeah they're gonna go where there's I, I here's here is what i immediately had canoned and what didn't oh, even feel amazing. to me like you head cannon something go ahead it yeah. didn't feel to me like it was like even it was just like oh yeah i assume he did this uh like it wasn't like oh what's the explanation which is usually something i say i assumed it's just like oh well i assume that quark was so grateful that he didn't kill these people that he was he was gonna you know aid and abet him and that uh that garrick's thing was he just told the uh he told the um the 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 Cardassian uh, authorities that basically tell told them the whole story up until the point when Gull what's his name dies and he just says that that was the that was the the um you know the students and uh, the lady who killed him 
that were mm. Kellen and and uh, Hogue wow. and Natima your Lang. Your head cannon ran deep there. It, was, it, was in, in it feels fast. to me like, like the it. obvious lie. Like if you're in that situation. Yeah, but I'm like thinking it's it's Star Trek, so there's obviously scans of the station. Odo security is probably pretty deep. Uh, yeah, you could probably get all those people on board. Odo's still not going to want a murder to happen. Plus, uh, he has no allegiance also, to Garrick. So. I bet you that Garrick is wired in enough that he could uh, erase the tapes. <laughs> I mean, unknown. What do you mean? He seems like he's ah, pretty adept. Mr. Quark, this is a surprise. I don't believe you've ever been in my establishment before. You usually don't frequent mine, either. That part surprised Though me. Oh, I did see you in there today. And the repl mat was a little crowded. So what brings you here now? Oh, I just wanted to see what you were offering. Oh, what do you get for that? Uh-huh. 17 strips of latinum. Ooh. I'll tell you what. I'll give you 20. 20? How uncharacteristically generous for a Ferengi. Just one businessman trying to help out another. I figure we have to stick together. Well, this is the latest style on my home world. Do you like it? I'm no expert in Cardassian fashions. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. It's been so long since I've had a Cardassian customer. Then you're in luck. There's some on board the station right now. Now that you mention it, I think your lady friend might find this style very appealing. You're old friends, aren't you? You're very perceptive for Cardassian. It would have been hard to miss the way you were looking at her. It would have been hard to miss the way you were looking at her. Personally, I find this style a bit too radical. But your friend seems the sort who appreciates that kind of thing. Different tastes for different people. Nothing wrong with that, is there? Oh, you'd be surprised how detrimental a poor choice of fashion can be. This is like this is like a scene that I feel like a network executive would be like, oh, we got to cut this scene. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Missing the subtext. Yeah, they're just talking about fashion the whole time. Yeah. One of those real, like, one of those... Uh, super jacked handsome network guys sure. <laughs> you know sure. take this dress it may be all the rage now but in a very short time it can become tiresome an affront to the eyes certain people might even think it's objectionable and then nothing but rags I see Mr. Quark might I offer you some free advice? As long as I'm under no obligation to follow it. I've been in this business a long time, and I know there's nothing worse than following the wrong trend. Now, you're a smart fellow with your own inimitable sense of style. Perhaps you should mention this to your lady friend. I'd hate to see her fall victim to fashion. Would you like to explain that? She's chosen to associate herself with some rather flamboyant companions. It would be a tragedy if she got in the way when her friends go out of fashion. If anyone tries to harm her, they're going to have to deal with me. And what are you going to do? Shortchange them at the Dabo table. <laughs> I like that line. 
<laughs> I think I'll buy this dress after all. Ah. See that it's mended. I really love that scene. It's a great scene. Um I like the pacing of it. I like sure. the, the, the the back and forth. I like that each line is you know what they're saying in each line and it all I love I love good subtext in a conversation yeah especially between a spy and a guy who knows that he's a spy <laughs> <laughs> well do we we still even by the end of the episode I mean this is the thing that I'm gonna have to I'm, obviously these are my Garrick questions we don't know what his deal is exactly. We're assuming he's a spy. We're assuming he's a former spy, right? And he was exiled. Yeah. Which we find out did. in this episode. We don't know that before this episode, right? All we have in the going into this episode are Julian Bashir's suspicions. Right. Yeah. It's pretty clear in this episode. <laughs> yes. Authorities, I would have been executed. I admired your courage. It was a brave thing you were doing, selling food to the Bajorans. I thought you were a man of honor. I'm a Ferengi. You should have known better. You're right. I should have. Instead. Can't you even say it? I can't even think it. Okay. I'll say it for you. We fell in love. And that month we spent together was the best time of our lives. And you know it. I think you're confusing lust with love. I admit I'm capable of that, but not this time. <laughs> Armin Shimron's very good in this, too. He is. It's also written in a way where it's sort of, they, they wisely, because you always expect a lie from Quark, they wisely have him cop to the fact that, like, yes, I can be someone who's a dog, but in this case, I'm telling you yeah. it's not true. So it allows us to kind of buy it more from him. That being said, I still the whole time was kind of like, oh, does Quark have another level of deceit going on and does she is who is someone who who is capable of falling in love with quark i assume has to be someone who appreciates you know someone who's a little bit of a con artist right therefore is she kind of a con artist and it turns out she's kind of not a con artist <laughs> she's a nice lady who fell in love with quark i think she's had a think... phaser but generally speaking <laughs> I was like, I was a little bummed that they bought it back immediately after the commercial break on the phaser thing. Yeah, it was, it's interesting. It's a little bit of a, and then what's going to happen? She shot Quark. Well, well, she didn't hurt him that bit. And then it's a real, <laughs> but that, but like, I like it because it was like, it's an immediately her, uh, her confession of love. Uh-huh. Right. Um, it's, it's schmuck bait, as we say. For sure. But, and I took, maybe that was wrong. I don't know. But what I really regret is betraying your trust. That was the worst mistake of my life. And you do it again in a second. I believed in you, Cork. But you were using me. Like you use everyone. For profit. Then let me make it up to you. Let me help you. I ask for nothing in return. Nothing? Except that you stay with me forever. <laughs> I Am I crazy, or does here. the front of her dress kind of look like the My Van Halen stance. emblem? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. If the 
if the, the offshoot, yeah. if the lines are going, I see. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah, sure. Maybe there's that's no, what it is. There's no tribute to Van Halen. Oh, is that what that is? Oh, great. Need me. Listen to me, Natima. You can't leave me. Not now. If you don't stay with me, I'll have to follow you. And I will. Wherever you go, until you agree to take me back. You don't even know who I am anymore. I'm part of the Cardassian underground. Following me will only get you killed. I'll take that chance. What about the bar? I don't care about the bar. I'll turn it over to Rom. He'll run it into the ground in a month, but it doesn't matter. I have to be with you. (laughs) It won't work, Quark. A side thing that he mentions. You say you do anything for me. Maybe right now you even believe it. But I know better. In the end, you'd only care about yourself. Seems what I would believe. But I love you. What did you, you say, Andy? Sorry. That's what I would believe about Quark. What does she say in response to this? I don't love you, I believe. I don't love you. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh-huh. Now which one of us is lying? Uh-huh. He knows she's you lying. You better go. I think she's real good All in right. this episode. But if there's anything you need, Bing Crosby's daughter. I'll be waiting. I would have preferred if she was like, but I don't love you. Is there anything that you need? Hey, boo-boo. Tired of hearing about the rules of acquisition. I don't mind it. At least I'm not a commie bastard. Um... Yeah, I like uh, the uh, I like the mentions of like the Cardassian Information Service. Also, I I, don't, I assume this isn't the first time we've heard of them, but I like. Well, I assume they're the people who caption photographs like it's a newspaper. That's right. To make sure everybody knows. <laughs> so who, get the caption wrong. Is. Oh god, yeah. we got the caption wrong. Can you believe it? Um, but I like it because it sounds so kind of dystopian, kind of Cold War ish, right. kind of. Information Bureau. I like that. Behavior of the ship out there, it appears the Central Command considers Hogan Rickellen to be extremely dangerous. Not at all. Annoying, perhaps. Inconvenient, maybe, but dangerous? Hardly. And if they were dangerous, would the Central Command entrust the situation to me, a simple tailor? Which only confirms what I have suspected all along. You, Mr. Garrick, are no simple tailor. Oh, really, Commander? That's another discussion entirely. All you really need to know right now is that the return of Hogue and Rickellen is in the best interest of the Cardassian Empire. Or at least in the best interest of the Cardassian military. Is there a difference? Do you really expect a Bajoran station under Federation command to turn over Cardassian political refugees on your say-so? The ultimate decision is, of course, yours. I am simply relaying a message. Then relay this. Tell the Central Command, if anyone attempts to take Hogue and Raquelin by force, I will respond in kind. Am I clear, Mr. Garrick? Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Oh, and if you'd like, stop by the shop one day. I have a number of suits that would look quite flattering on you. 
So what? I got a lot of stuff. What do you think, first of all, he means by that last line? Because as with everything that Garrick says, and this was the thing that kind of occurred to me about this episode, I think one of the main reasons that Bashir is friends with Garrick is because everything Bashir says sounds creepy or unsettling in some way. And so he had to be friends <laughs> with the one person on DS9 that is that is like everything he says, even good morning, sounds like a threat or a hidden ominous purpose. <laughs> so stop by the shop. I have a number of suits that you might like. It's just like, look like would look quite flattering on you. It just like sounds like the giant threat. So what do you think he's saying? Uh, Anything? Or is it just trying to keep I his think lines he, of communication open? Uh, this is the first real conversation he's having with Cisco, I think. And I right. think that he's he's charmed by it. And, you know, fast, you know, not necessarily charmed, but more like, oh, you're a... Uh, you're not one of these Starfleet stick in the muds. You're like an actual... You have a wit about you. Uh-huh. Come on down to the, you know, just... I think he wants more... Connection. More. Yeah. Yeah. That's reasonable. And so then this brings me to sort of my more of my overview. The answer is yes. He would look great in those suits. Can you imagine? He would look fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, the 90s weren't kind for suits, even in space. Um, so uh, he's... Garrick, we're assuming from this episode, is a spy in exile, probably. Definitely in exile, that much we know. Right. What he was doing before is still, I think, unclear, unless I've missed something, which is plausible. Um, so then he's coming to Cisco here and saying, I'm relaying this message. And it's like, he's relaying this message. And it's like prior to this, as far as I know, he's dropped hints, but there's never been any clear connection between him and the central command or anyone from Cardassia. Other they've seen, right? Yeah. So this is a big, bold move for him to go, hey, I'm just a tailor, but I'm telling you what the the Cardassian government wants. Right. Which is like a huge, weird thing for him to do. Well... So that's issue number one. Sort of... And then issue number two is like, well, why why does what is the Cardassian's Cardassian's government's perspective on him if he's in exile? I guess it's a soft exile. It's a soft exile. Yeah. I guess if it was a hard exile, he'd be executed. Right, yeah. And also, I think they feel like he's can be of some use to them as the uh-huh. lone Cardassian on board this station. I do wonder what his it's. He's often acting as though he's his own agent. I guess we'll find out more. So it's weird. I think at this point he is. I think that that sort of tells us that at the end of this episode sort of reveals that. Well, it reveals that he is willing to make a decision outside of what the Cardassian government wants. I guess the yeah. question is. Does the Cardassian government think that he is their agent? He's clearly in exile from some position, but is he in exile from their hierarchy entirely? In his mind and in their mind? In their mind. In his mind, he's always going to do what he's going to do. Garrick going to do what Garrick going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Right. Sorry. At least so far, I don't know. I understand. I appreciate that. These are the questions I have anyway. And these are the answers. Fair. No cloaking device and no way off this station. So, you know, we check off's cloaking device, obviously set up uh, not Pavel Chekhov, of course. No, although he did create it. He invented the cloaking device <laughs> as part of Russian canon. Engine. <laughs> Perfect. I know my quarters may seem a little crowded at first, but tomorrow morning I'll put in a request for something bigger. That won't be necessary. All right. If you want your own quarters to start out with, I can arrange that too. I mean, I'm not staying. Um... Or what? You'll shoot me? If I have to. Then go ahead and shoot. I can't. I'm not running with the devil. Papa, you all right? You love Van Halen, huh? Yep, I sure do. Well, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. I've never fired a phaser before. I, I barely touched the trigger. Hey, careful. Oh, it's a Van Halen oh, guitar. It hurts. Oh, is it? Oh, cool. it hurts. Of course it hurts. It's supposed to hurt. It's a phaser. Well, I made sure it was on the first setting. How considerate of you. Should I get a doctor? <laughs> it's okay. Maybe if you rub it. So in this section, I really did start I'm to believe, sorry. like, oh, she's playing him. And so that's very clever that she fucking shot him to kind of, that would be a perfect way to to avoid, you know, it's like if you shoot someone accidentally and then you're all upset about it, that's a, that's a great misdirection. Really? Yes, for everything, for all those horrible things I said. You really didn't mean them? I love you, Cork. I've always loved you, even when I hated you. Right, so you think, she, I mean, She's being truthful here, right? Yeah, no, I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. All right. I was like, wait a second, did I misread this whole episode? I mean, unless unless we find out in the future that th- she was duplicitous during the whole thing, and then she knows how to play Quark, Quark so well that she figured, well, it'll end up in Quark giving us the cloaking device how and also you. being on our side. But uh, but we don't have that evidence in this episode. And Odo feels real bad about arresting her. I was very curious about this. Like, I didn't know what was happening, you know? What do you there's mean? nothing. The audience sees none of this conversation and this bargaining. You just hear about it from Odo, which I thought was actually pretty effective. That's for the interruption. But I'm afraid, madam, that you are under arrest. I'm what? On what charge? Commander Sisko will explain. I'm truly sorry. Now, hold on. Work. It's all right. Side note, there was a reference to a Mordian butterfly, which is a made-up word, word we know. Yeah, what's a butterfly? It's such a weird word. No, no, Matt. Mordian. What? Never mind. <laughs> Wish I didn't have to, but Cardassia has offered to release half a dozen Bajoran prisoners in exchange for you. And you've agreed to this? The Bajoran Provisional Government And they're all incredibly fun. A Cardassian transport will deliver the Bajoran prisoners within five hours. Commander, you have no idea what they'll do to us. We're the ones they're after. At least let Professor Lang go. 
I'd Good like job, Susan. Better, but the provision <laughs> has ordered you all to be turned over. I'm fighting this. We shouldn't be turned over. I'm Susan from Seinfeld. <laughs> I do think it works in the Cardassian character. Of course. Yes. And I think she's she's doing a good, like, kind of grumbly, kind of radical character. Grumbly radicals. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. Turan. It's Gull Turan now. I will only be a character in this episode. They made you a gull. I didn't realize the situation on Cardassia. Unless you shot me with so a transporter phaser. I find your bitterness extremely gratifying. <laughs> I love that I'm line. See that you're adjusting so I want to say that to people episode. more often. Actually, <laughs> I'm finding my time here quite illuminating. Then I don't suppose you'd be interested in going home again? Am I to be rewarded for informing the Central Command about the presence of Hogue and Rick Kellen on the station? Perhaps. But only after you see to it that they don't leave this station alive. But I suggested a prisoner exchange, and the Central Command agreed. I convinced them otherwise. And they listened to you. My voice is less tarnished than yours. Kill them, and all you do is create martyrs. You overestimate their importance. And how do you propose to arrange this unfortunate incident? I'm sure you'll think of something. You always did in the past. Don't you see? Lang's death will benefit us both. Unless, of course, you intend to spend the rest of your life as a tailor. I see your point. I knew you would. <laughs> it's a good side character. It's a shame he had to die. I'm telling you, maybe he didn't. Transporter phasers. Oh, maybe. I also I like... I was surprised that Odo listened, like heard Quark out and also agreed that it was an injustice and went to go free them ignoring any of the political ramifications that might happen on the station and or his commanding officers it does seem a little off character for Odo yeah Odo's sort of all by the book right yeah I mean that's sort of that's the that's the impression I've gotten of him I guess he hates the Cardassians so much that he's sort of bending the rules, but it's... I think he hates injustice. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> now, since when have you become so interested in Cardassian politics? A freer, more open society on Cardassia would benefit this entire sector, and it would be great for business. So, wanting me to free Natima and those students is strictly a financial consideration on your part? Now, nah, Odo... Don't allow my greed to keep you from doing the right thing. Huh. I know you better than you think, Wark. This isn't about Cardassia, and for once it's not even about profit. This is about Professor Lang. Right. It is. Her life is in jeopardy as long as Raquelin and Hogue are on the station. Then why didn't you tell me that before? What was I supposed to say? That I love her? That I would do anything for her? That without her, my life would be meaningless? Sure, I could say those things, but what good would it do? How could I expect you to understand? You've never had those feelings. You don't know what it means to really care about another person. You've never been in love. You've got all the emotions of a stone. 
So it's really this that turns him, right? No offense. Is it? Go on. Well, it is when he turns around. He claims it's another reason, but it is after that monologue that he turns around. You do this for me, and I promise you there'll be no more secrets between us. Which suggests I'll tell you about every underhanded deal. Either love someone or he's scheme. acting like he or, he, or he or he values someone's love. Right. Like anyone's love for another person. Because he, you know, maybe maybe Quark's right. He has trouble feeling it. Or he feels it. He just can't. He's not saying anything. Every dirty trick my brother Rom's involved in. Well, since you put it that way, I'm not interested. Okay. Okay. Let me put it another way. Do it for me. For you. That's right. For all the years we've known each other. For everything we've been through together. You say you know me better than anyone else. Well, I know you. Sure, sometimes we're on opposite sides. But that doesn't mean that we aren't close. I never told you this, Odo. But I consider you as dear to me as my brother. <laughs> I've seen how well you treat him. <laughs> yeah, it's the line. Woo. Yeah. It's the beginning of TNC, guys. Just like beginning of our podcast. Yeah. Um, it's funny that he, he just sold out Rom. A lot of Rom talk in this episode, given that you never see him. By the way, when he disappeared, I was like, did he just somehow use the cloaking device on himself? That's what I thought it was, too. Yeah. But then I will Is say. Is supposed to think? Then he's on his knees. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's just a, a, a bit. It's like, where did he go? But uh, yeah, if he's on his knees in front of the the, uh, the desk, and I assume you can see under the desk, then uh, Odo should have been able to see him through his feet eyes. Yeah, that's 100% true. Yeah. I've read their files. I he was sitting on his eyes. warrants that kind of punishment. <laughs> he's got his eyes all over. But yeah. <laughs> only in the name of justice. Justice. That was going to be my next suggestion. So, uh, you're not really doing this for me? That's right. And I don't owe you a thing. Thank you. You'll never know how much this means to me. Let go. That was a thing that I was thinking during the, during when he, when Odo said this, is just like, this is bad deal making. He's just going to let him, uh, just say I'm doing it for another reason. Then he won't owe you something. He's about to give up all the, his evil doings. (laughs) Couldn't have a show then, but. Quark, what are you doing here? Getting you out. Thank you. Good luck. I've installed the cloaking device in the central engine corp. You can activate from the bridge as soon as the mooring clamps are released. Then, I suggest you take your ship to warp 8 and don't look back. What now, the significance please, of was of I the jury? Just says that he was reading it, but it doesn't say in the... I thought there was maybe some background of, like, 
how it tied in plot wise. They really stopped to to make a point of it, other than it being kind of noirish. This episode. Mm. Oh, what's the rush? You betrayed us. Good job, Susan. No, you betrayed us. <laughs> you betrayed us. <laughs> You betrayed us. That's it. Best of no worlds. Great. Let's go with that one. Don't. I <laughs> hate to ruin such a nice suit. Is that, is that a sort of sarcastic comic? I don't know. Does he like his suits or not? I can't tell. <laughs> I feel like he's saying he doesn't like his suit because he didn't get the suit in his shop. Like, yeah, I think he likes the great suit, because suit a, quark. I mean, look at the impeccable tailoring. Well, that's what I would think. I mean, it's classic Umpalumpa. This outfit. Why are you doing this? Oh, ex- Why are you doing this? <laughs> I'll tend to wear a bit thin after a while, even with surroundings as pleasant as these. Fine, take them, but leave Natima alone. Quark. No, he's right. We're the fugitives, not you. You see, they agree with me. Unfortunately, it's not their decision to make, nor mine. Professor Lang, however minor her role in this matter, has come to the attention of the Central Command. Do you think killing us will change anything? Cardassia is slipping out of the hands of the military, and nothing you do will prevent it. Madam, I am not here to debate you. Garrick, if you harm these people, I'll see to it that Commander Sisko prosecutes you to the fullest extent of the law. Which brings up another issue. Quark, things would have gone much easier if you'd taken my advice and not gotten involved with these people. Who's already involved? Who are I these know, people? Really, nice. personally. Susan's like, I like you. <laughs> you mean you're gonna shoot me too? George! Before I became... <laughs> I'll keep it in the vault, George. Your store. Ah, that alone makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> it's like so upbeat after he kills the guy. It's so funny. <laughs> I can't believe that you were once considered clever. Do you think that by completing this one simple task, your reputation will be restored at Central Command? No. I suppose not. Go back to your sewing kit, Taylor. So this part is the part that I'm a little confused by. The guy assigns it to Garrick. Yes. Probably mostly to fuck with him. And then... And I'm imagining him like kneeling down next to a barrel going like, oh boy, when Garrick decides to change his mind, it's going to be so good. He's never going to expect me. But he doesn't change his mind. That's what I'm confused by. He comes out before Garrick He comes out a little too early, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. I guess it, it illustrates maybe just that this guy's an idiot, but because uh, all of his points about Garrick are like, you're so smart, and oh, well, I thought you were supposed to be clever, and all these things he's saying, so maybe he's just a big dummy. I don't know how he became a gull, but uh, but there's he comes in, and it's just like, well, what did you prove? I don't, other than you know that Garrick's about to kill him, like, it's weird. Um, like, I, his, I don't even understand his reasoning. He's like, I came here to make sure you did this, except that he didn't wait to see if he did it. Right. That's so true. Well, some people should never be promoted. Well, don't just stand there. Your ship is waiting. I'm going to see to it that every Ferengi on the station shops at your store. Ah, 
That alone makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> it also sounds sarcastic. You heard the man. Get moving. I mean, it's the sound. That is sarcastic. Great line reading. Both of you. Yes, yes, yes. Go, go. And quickly. Keep up the good work. I guess those people knew she was coming because they didn't just leave. to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, it would be less painful that way. No, you don't understand. I have to say goodbye to you. I'm going with them. But we had a deal. I can't stay here. Maybe one day I can come back and we'll be together again, but not until my work is done. So all I have to do to get you back is wait until Cardassia becomes a free and democratic society? I promise. I'll make it worth the wait. I don't suppose I could come with you. No. It's not your fight. That's a terrible idea for a Besides, series. Besides, I could never live with myself <laughs> if something happened to you. I need to know that you're here. Safe. That way a part of me will always be safe, too. Unless I've been manipulating you the whole time. I don't know, I really did like this. And I bought it. And I thought this, this, I thought uh, Miss Crosby here gave a fantastic performance. And I thought uh, Armin Shimmerman mm -hmm. also gave a fantastic performance. And it's a great. Ba, 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 pretty good performance. Pretty good performance. <laughs> I give it non Andy's. Ba, 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 ba. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought it was really, uh, really touching and nice and. Uh, and is a sweet side of quark. Quark. We usually they it's very rare that they put a sweet side of quark without undermining it in some way. Right. And they did it. Actually, in a this way, might be the first time they didn't. And it's believable. They pulled it off. Um. It is impressive in that sense. Do they have uh, a? What's the last, the last dialogue? Yeah. Yeah. I love you too. I suggest we return to the promenade without delay. You have to tell me, why'd you do it? Shoot Turan. Why did you let Professor Lang go? I have no choice. I love her. And I love Cardassia. Which is why I had to do what I did. I don't understand. That's the thing about love. No one really understands it, do they? Um. So Insane. he's. So I guess the subtext is he is a patriot for Cardassia. He just doesn't believe in the specific government, mm. uh, the military government that is theoretically being overthrown. Right. But um, right. I assume we'll find out more, and I'm enjoying it so far. The Garrick portrayal. Indeed. That Maggie, who's the MVC? 
ask the MVC, will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kira Norris? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's a Brian Bashir and even Quark. And don't forget about Obo. Not MVC. Um. Hmm. Well, I guess it's. I guess it's Garrick. Well, he causes the problem. Does he cause the problem? Yeah, they, he informs them. He informs Cardassian High Command that. that well, I guess this is there. the question. I feel like Cardassian High Command already sort of has a sense of where they went. And was pursuing no. them. You think now? What I see. Well, that's even more surprising. So then he. The, it, it also raises more questions. So at the beginning, he kind of knows, or does he not know what these people are? Why these people? Oh, he are recognizes running. them immediately. So he knows that they're against the the military, yeah. the command. Yes, but and he yet also he still turns them in. So he changes his mind at the end. Right. Mm, very complex character. Um, I wonder what he did. I can't wait to find out. Um, okay, so he causes the problem. So you're saying we can't give it. So well, then, I mean, is it Quark? Does Quark do enough? I mean, it might be Quark. Is it Cisco for just sort of trying to? Like, they're still going to need the cloaking device to get out of there. You know? Who who is the most responsible for sort of tractoring them in and saving them in the first place? Oh my god. I don't know. They all follow procedure pretty much. I think Starfleet regulations are Kira's awarded to Starfleet regulations. Kira was nodding, but yes. All right, Starfleet regulations, you have your first MVC. <laughs> Basic tractor beam protocol. <laughs> Save the day again. Ship in distress. <laughs> what? Um, one. What is it? One alpha. Code one alpha seven ship in distress. Is Does Odo it? do enough? He's sort of over. He he looks away from his duty to kind of let these people go. That's something. Although you could say he's also being a bad constable, bad chief of security, or whatever the hell it is. Um, I don't know. Yes. Sure. I yes, I understand that that Garrick started the problem. Yeah, that seems pretty rough, even if he solved the problem at the end. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know who to say. I'd I'm say Quark. To Quark. Just because Quark tried to do the right thing. Yeah, the and whole it time. Was, it was a little bit self selfish because he was doing it for his own person yeah. he was in love with. But at least he showed that he, he can feel love, so... There you go. All right. Although, you know, I will say one other thing. He know. says, he says, I'll go wherever you go. I'll give up everything. And then he never really sticks to that. That was never really his plan. He was never willing to give up everything. For the, or otherwise, he would have left with her at the end. And I understand that she kind of talks she, him out of she her. She tells him not to. Yeah, but uh, he could have just said So you can't luck. say that he wouldn't. Sorry. Yeah, well, he, he wouldn't. earlier he says, I'll do that. And then basically his plan is, yeah, but they'll go and then I'll keep her. She'll stay here. Yeah, but when that plan doesn't work, mm. I, mean, I think you get to give him credit. Yeah. Okay. For that. Thank okay. you. 
Good God. How many Andy's does this episode get? You go first. Uh, I like this episode a lot. Uh, I like everything in it, really. I don't. There's nothing I really don't care for. Uh, I wish it was a little more Starfleet heavy. That's the only like sort of tiny gripe I have. It's barely even a gripe. So I'm gonna give this episode a nine. Whoa, a nine. Mm-hmm. A nine. Yeah, it's very good. I give it an eight. <laughs> Whoa, an eight. Yeah. I give it one higher. <laughs> yeah. It's down to 7.5, oh, gonna... and a 7.5 does feel like it's like, man, there's enough good stuff in here. That feels low for you. 7.5? Yeah. Well, that's why I was just like, is it a, is it a, is it a, you know what? I am going to go to a 7.5. I think it's really good. I really like the the love plot and I love the, the Garrick plot. It doesn't lift me off my feet. You know, you need a plot that can do both. Maybe get you a plot that can do both. Andy. Yeah. All right. It's very good. It is. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to it. Beast face nine seems to be. Finding its groove. Yes, people have the the most frequent comment is Andy. It's coming. It's about to get really good. Soon it's going to get good, or in the near future it'll get good. I mean, are we in that near future? Are they referring to something else? Uh, we don't know. No, they're, they they were saying that about the last episode, but they weren't saying now. They were saying like in a few a few episodes. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening. All right. We'll see. We'll see what happens, everybody. Disengage.